All right. I do believe we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov, at Levpo on Twitter. And today I'm joined by a great panel to talk about the uh, recent happenings with uh, Kanye West, or uh, Ye, as he is known right now. We are going to get into the nitty-gritty digest all of this and uh, figure out exactly what's going on so with me we have the wonderful Catherine Brodsky who I am always a big fan of having on the show Catherine I've known her for a very long time she wrote for Washington Post Wired Mashable Variety Newsweek Esquire Playboy Vulture and you are somebody with a lot of uh, media expertise and uh, thank you for being here Josh, you were the person who inspired me to do the stream in the first place. Oh. Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. And you are a, a very, I would say, controversial, super fun uh, personality, host, thinker. What would be the best way to describe you other than those things I just mentioned? I don't know. I just think I'm a normal guy who looks at the world and, and it's all gone insane. You know, I think I'd be like me today... Uh, 20 years ago, just be a normal guy walking around, you know? I wouldn't think to do a podcast. Well, not that there was really podcasting back then, but I wouldn't think to do anything like this. And finally, we have the wonderful uh, Sophia Spiritualite, formerly known as Hotep Sophia. I'm always a big fan of having you on BTR, and I really appreciate you coming down here. You have been getting much more spiritual lately. You're into astrology. You're into figuring out that aspect of it that I think a lot of people ignore, as well as knowing a thing or two about the music business, which we're going to get into as well. So yeah. everybody, everybody who's watching, once again, don't forget to like, subscribe, need those super chats because we are going to be addressing the super chats later on as well. But also the first thing that I just want to say, well, first of all, I want to say congratulations on having the first all-Jewish panel on Break the Rules history. There we go. Hey, we made it. <laughs> there we go. Wow. <laughs> so, and... The second thing that I should say is that I do find the singling out and the accusation towards any group of people that are, you know, like genetically that had nothing to do with being in any particular group that just happened to be in any group, whether we're talking about people with different color skin or whether we're talking about, you know, any group whatsoever of that nature, I'm completely against that. And I think that there is a uh, there is something kind of sick about that about pointing fingers and saying that one group no matter who the person is in the group that they are destined to be in this particular way and that's it and we're just all going to go against them so that's the one thing that i have been seeing from the seedier parts of the internet for a pretty long time but i think it is important to bring up what's going on right now with yay because while he does bring that aspect of it up he also brings up i think a deeper part that's within a lot of people today especially when they see censorship of whatever it is that they say and that causes them to react in the way that they do so i want to see if we can kind of separate those two aspects uh so this is what the stream is kind of about but uh josh let me know your thoughts on that uh you were the guy who inspired me to do this in the first place so why, uh, why did for i it. inspire you I, I'm, I'm why did i and also i'm not controversial i don't think i'm controversial <laughs> and i'm wondering why i inspired you about it's this. All, what all the controversial people say i know right 
Also, we say it with a smile on our face. Like, we're like that mischievous, mischievous like, kid in the classroom. Like, whoa, I didn't do anything. I, what are you talking about? That's not my spitball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in the Kanye thing because, again, he, he's saying something that, like, the LA Times in 2008 wrote about basically saying that, yeah, the Jews do run Hollywood. Um, and obviously people who really hate the Jews uh, are going to come out and be like, oh, based, he's on our side, blah, blah, blah. But specifically what Kanye has been saying, it's just like pretty normal stuff that everyone has always, you know, said. And, you know, you're going to, you're definitely going to attract those kinds of uh, bad apples. But I still think that those people are, you know, mainly in the minority and, and, they're very comfortable online saying what they really believe or what they think they really believe. But in real life, they're, you know, pretty, you know, no, I would, I don't know about normal, but like b benign. I don't, you know, what's the word? I don't think that they're like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going all over the place, but one of my cousins is the mayor of, of uh, one of the richest towns in Florida, Bal Harbor. And he, his whole thing, his whole thing is like anti-Semitism. It's like the worst thing in the world. You know, that's basically his whole platform. That's his shtick. So he found his niche, whatever. Uh, and he's like this with DeSantis and all of that. So he's a Republican, a conservative or whatever. But his whole thing is like this can incite Kanye West can incite violence. I'm like, OK, so that's basically the same talking points of of the left. Like you're really not that much different. It's just your cause is anti-Semitism. I, even though I want to speak, I want Catherine to go ahead. And hear, okay, go well, I, yeah. I will address that a little bit because yeah. I think there's a difference between saying something that can be objectively true. Uh, so, for example, you could say there is a lot of people who are Jewish in the uh, entertainment industry because if you look at the history of the entertainment industry, specifically the film industry, you know, having its roots in vaudeville and then... Um, you know, that was and then sort of when the film industry started out, it wasn't a particularly desirable area to go into. It was kind of shunned, seen as kind of dirty. And there weren't a lot of areas where Jewish people could work in and were sort of accepted. So they had to build their own and were very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, if you look at at the film industry historically, there were a lot of, you know, that's where it started. It was built up by Jewish people. And there were other industries that were built up maybe by other kind of ethnic groups. And so I think it's fair to say, you know, as a result, you have uh, a larger demographic uh, that is Jewish. I think it's changed a lot over the past few years, especially given how huge that industry is these days. People with a lot of power these days aren't necessarily all going to be Jewish. You're going to have, I mean, they're mega corporations. So you have shareholders for the most part. You have a lot of foreign ownership. China. So, yeah. So you don't have the same level of sort of Jewish ownership as you would have had in the past. But more importantly, I think when you talk about these things, um, it's like people conflate a lot. So as opposed to saying, okay, there's a lot of, you know, Chinese people who do this or a lot of Jewish people in these in, um, industries, and you just kind of state it as fact, if it is in fact true, which often it, it isn't always the truth. Um, and so then you wonder, okay, why do people bring these things up? 
but let's say let's say people state that and it is true and they've verified it and it's just coming from a place of fact there's a difference between that when people are just coming from a factual uh, place and they're just stating it with no real judgment versus when people start attaching feelings to it and those feelings could be uh, judging negative and and they are be, you know starting to judge a whole group of people on it or, and they're sort of hateful about it or resentful about it or jealous about it and that's I think where we get sort of into trouble with it as opposed to being okay there are like a lot of people of a particular group that happen to be in this industry. Um, so I think that's that's where we have to really make those distinctions. And I'm capable of having I've had many conversations where people it's like, you know, that whole thing is like when you see it, you see it. Um, you know, there there are times where you can have a conversation with someone and they'll make a joke about, you know, say somebody being Jewish, you know, a Jewish joke. Right. Mm. And it's and it's just genuinely funny. And I, I don't take it as anything but just being funny. And it's maybe basing itself on stereotypes because it's making fun of those stereotypes versus somebody who's coming from a different place. And you re really recognize the difference. And um, and I, I can very much recognize the difference when I'm talking to someone where they're coming from. But I'll turn it back to you, mm -hmm. Lev. There is also, even though I'm supposed to be the uh, moderator in here, there mm -hmm. is one thing I want to add. Uh, there was a comment over here from end of the line, Joel, not really sure what that means, uh, who says, why does the U.S. left not support open borders for Israel, but they support it for other countries? So here's the interesting thing that I find. The leftists who are Jewish tend to be some of the most Jew-hating people I've ever encountered when it comes to their opinions on Israel, for example, and they uh, do not want any support for, for Israel whatsoever. And it's funny how everybody lumps Jewish people into the same monolithic group, which is why when we are talking about expanding oneself from being in a particular bad state, like when a lot of Jewish immigrants came from poverty to the United States, it wasn't just entertainment. Entertainment was a part of it. Hospitals, jazz, well, jazz entertainment too, chess, uh, uh, you know, various other professions. If you look at the top of a lot of these professions, you are going to find people which have absolutely nothing to do with any kind of nepotism because there are certain things like chess where you have to be at a certain level in order to do it properly. You're not going to cheat your way to chess. Well, unless that young guy, that was a recent story, but they found that cheating. So he's, he's getting mm -hmm. in trouble. So the point is, is that there is so much variety going on here that when people just point out the negatives, anybody who's doing anything at a high level is going to wind up, especially in today's political climate, aligning themselves with a particular political group that's going to help them out. And in the case of a lot of people who live in the city, who do various jobs in media, they are mostly going to come from a left-leaning perspective, and they're going to be really good at getting to those positions, and I don't want them to represent people that have absolutely nothing to do with it. That's the thing that I was trying to get at on Break the Rules for a very long time, and I hope that kind of distinction could be made. But Sophia, uh, I would love to get to you and uh, what uh, you think about all this. So I just want to make a couple points, and I hope that it's like not too much for, for from from Kanye's perspective, right? Number one, I think that if you put all of his statements together, I think you will see that he's not talking about people that look like y'all because he said that 
you know, whatever he said about the Jews, and he said something else, and he said the Jews are black or what. So if you look at it from a perspective of he's talking about people who run the industry who look like me or look like him, then you have a totally different conversation. So I think that there's um, history has not been taught properly. And so you have a lot of people who don't understand anything about history and um, or people who get upset at things that aren't necessarily directed towards them. And I also think that, um, I think, Kat, maybe you said that people are, um, they don't lump people into groups or something like that, but people do that with the monarchy. I mean, nobody finds it to be a problem when you say, um, I'm I'm King Charles, um, I'm the king because I've been given this divine right of kingdom or whatever that these people say to hold their monarchy. So it's acceptable in some situations and it's unacceptable in some situ in other situations. And I find that to be problematic. Like it should be across the board. Like, no, you shouldn't just be king just because your mother was queen or however y'all think that it's supposed to be done. I think that it should, that whole thought process should be done away with across the board. And um, to actually kind of like discuss maybe Kanye's point, I think that, um, Number one, he's trying to get out of his contract because um, if you guys don't know, he has a slave contract, essentially. And so a lot of what he's saying, a lot of what he's doing is to try and shake that slave contract that he has. It's a literal lifetime contract he cannot get out of. And a lot of black artists are, slaves, are signed to slave contracts. I don't know about the white artists. They don't seem to complain about it as much. But I see our Well, look at Miley Cyrus. I imagine yeah, they but, all have this, the same yeah. kinds of contracts. So maybe well, it's a general problem in the Maybe. It, I think it is a problem in the industry in general, but I think that it's a little bit different when you have a group of people who you were told were slaves and then you sign them to a contract that they can't get out of. You know what I mean? So it's not like um, people are saying that. Uh, uh, white artists were engaged in slavery. You know what I mean? Like, so it's kind of like, it's like one of those things where it's, it, you got to apply, the, it, I'm just applying it based on how it's seen mm. in, in, in our culture. And so when you have something like that, where he's trying to say whatever he's going to say to get out of the contract, I think that people should automatically, you know, this is coming from an individual who got on live TV after Katrina said George was a black people like you're not talking about a person who generally uh approaches situations with a lot of uh finesse he kind of just like is a hammer you know everything is a nail because he's a hammer kind of individual and so i think that um you know it it would be more helpful if we talked about these things from um the perspective of who you're dealing with instead of saying, oh, he's going to incite violence, you know, and he may or may not, but nobody is complaining about it when you see slave movies on, on the media, mm -hmm. which they keep putting out slave movies. Nobody's saying, oh, that's going to incite violence to the black community when you're literally showing, you know, 12 years of slave or even the slave, you well, know, the woman king or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, but to, it's to, to only be fair, a though, problem when it comes to one certain group. I, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is from if you're a, a a person who is outside of that group, you know, or who's who has been told they're outside of that group and you're looking in, you see that it's only one group of people who complain about it. Black folks, we just got to sit back and take it. They talk about us all kinds of ways. You got people like what's that the guy with all the colorful hair? I don't even know all these rappers anymore, but Six, you nine? got rappers. Yeah, yeah, who it, 
rappers who don't look like me, don't come from my culture, saying all kinds of stuff about using the black vernacular, and it's not a problem. But when it gets to, so I think that a lot of it is, it, it, it seems like it's acceptable for some people to be sensitive about how they're portrayed. But when it comes to black folks, we can be portrayed whatever way you want, as long well, as- I'm gonna say one thing, and um, I don't I don't think, one, I don't think people are quiet about it. I think people, everybody's sensitive about how they're being portrayed right now. But I right. will say, and this is to um, Kanye's point or Guy's point, um, that I do think he makes a valid point specifically about portrayal of Black people in, in culture. And I think a lot of people sort of, uh, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it lately, and I think that was a very strong point that was raised. And it's not just uh, Black people, but, but other groups as well. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, everybody. I think the stereotypes that were sort of portrayed in Hollywood um, in, in movies and, and a lot of pop culture have done, have, I, in my opinion, done a lot of damage um, in terms of if, if you're only seeing a reflection, because the way that you sort of learn about yourself or learn about other cultures often, if, especially if you're not interacting with them, is through the lens of pop culture. So if, if the only way that you're seeing, so say I, I live in a city that there is not a lot of black people around, right? Um, I, I've also lived in New York where there are a lot, so it's very different, right? So I'm a little more exposed. But if, if my only way of learning about a culture is through media, and the only thing narratives that I'm seeing are slavery and oppression, or I'm seeing gangsters and danger, I'm automatically going to have particular biases, and those biases are going to be, oh, I'm going to see Black people, I'm going to be scared, or I'm going to think of Black people as being sort of oppressed, right? These are the two narratives. And if I'm not seeing, like, successful or just normal, like, just, you know, nurses, doctors, teachers, whatever, just just normal human beings, whatever they have, accountants, right? Because, you know, it's just humans. Um, then it, it creates sort of an unhealthy, inaccurate perception of people in the world. And then if I'm a Black person growing up, it's also reflecting sort of, and I'm just seeing like gangsters, and it also gives me a healthy sort of image. And maybe I'm not as, you know, when I see a movie, like there was that movie with the NASA, um, with the women oh, that were- figure. Yeah, Hidden Figures. I think that's a much healthier, and I, and I watched a few movies that were like more about the, the, the bankers and uh, this woman that set up a, a business and she was the first millionaire. I think that gives, if I was a black person growing up, um, I would, and I'm watching this, I'd be much more encouraged and uh, uplifted by that. And, and um, I think so, so these stereotypes, and I think it's changing. And I think a lot of it is because the stories aren't being told. Like if you look at who tells the stories, right? Um, you, it's very difficult. Like if I'm, if I'm going to write a story, if I'm a writer and I'm going to write a story, I'm not going to, I'm going to have a difficult time writing a story from the perspective, you know, of an Asian or Hispanic or, or, or a black woman or a man or whatever, because that's not my background. I would feel uncomfortable doing that. Um, I might give my character, you know, I might just give random characters, random nationalities, but, but, it, but it won't be specific. And then you look at somebody like Chandra Rhimes, and like how much, you know, and her characters are very, her shows are very popular. 
uh, and her her characters are very empowered and you know they're they're sort of strong i mean they're a little soap opery but <laughs> <laughs> or very, um, but they're fun to watch, and and she's very successful, and so you need more people with strong voices telling those stories, and that's I think ultimately what will change, uh, and you'd see much more reflection. Mm -hmm. I also want to make sure. Oh, go, go on. I was just going to say, but that's exactly the point Kanye is making. There's gatekeepers. And the gatekeepers are not allowing people to come in and tell the different stories. And so I think that, you know, if he's pointing at gatekeepers who look like me, for example, mm -hmm. and not like you guys, you have a, not to be racist, but you know what I mean? We don't look the same. So what do you mean, you people? <laughs> you people. <laughs> if you look at, if he's talking about gatekeepers who look like me, then you do find stuff like Shonda Rhimes to be problematic and I could give you a whole list of reasons why her and Ava DuVernay and all of them are extremely problematic for images within the black community because again they portray black women a certain way they have black men a certain way there's lots of cowboyism um you know Lev I don't know how you could say that you know uh, all right I, I, I had the conversation <laughs> with Sophia earlier on so when she talks about a person playing for uh, the other team what she means is that, you know, the, she talks about them uh, having a cowboy hat or wearing cowboy boots. That's like to the, imply the that the star you know, is right there. The hat is there. You know, they they got the full regalia on. Yeah, because you know, usually like, they so, keep that in the closet. Usually they keep the cowboy yes, outfit in the closet. Yes, but, it's, it's you know, they put on. So, yes. But, um, you know, that's sort of problematic because that's not really a huge thing in our community, you know, but it's been portrayed that way. And, and so there, there's, there's lots of, like, problematic things, but that's why I feel like, you know, if you're taking anything that this man says seriously, but you're not trying to figure out, okay, what exactly does he mean by that, like, from his perspective, because he didn't grow up somewhere where there's a mixed culture, and neither did I. I grew up around all black people. I didn't, I had no interactions, uh, basically, with white people at all. There was no, not no white politicians, and you know, no white teachers, no white anybody. I grew up around oh, really? all black dudes. Yeah, he's from Chicago. So he had a very similar, if you're from the hood, you don't grow up with, it's not diverse. Mm. And so when you are looking at people who are just like, you know, you all may not be used to diversity, I wouldn't have, so if the only image I see is of this, you know, person of particular culture come in and they're all lawyers or they're all doctors or they're all whatever they are. And I have no understanding of diversity because I never, I didn't grow up with any diversity. It was just once I started making money, all of a sudden now I have all this diversity around me, then you will have to, it's kind of a different, it puts a different spin on it. And I think that that's something that nobody is really considering mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm I'm from PG County in Maryland. It's 90% black. I, I literally did not have not one white person at my church. It was like maybe one white person at school. High school was about eight of them, and they all stayed together because my school was kind of wild. So I never had any experience with, with white people until I went to college. And then it was like, whoa, these people are way different than I They're They're just like they show them on TV. <laughs> it's just like they show them on TV, and it was a very, it was a very uh, unique experience that I definitely, um, you know, uh, it's, it's it's very weird, you know what I mean? Mm. And so you, that's well, kind of like I would say to argue Kanye's point that he comes from a place where he doesn't interact 
we're having a diverse conversation right here of Jews. And he never gets to have no diverse conversation with people. So, you well, know, as a this- grown up, though, I mean, he I would argue, though, that because of his success and, you know, he he he, he for many years now has been exposed to, I think, a lot of diversity. So mm. maybe growing up, that well, was different. Well, I also want to make sure Josh uh, gets uh, oh, to yeah, talk about this as well. But uh, but also before that, what you guys are talking about reminds me a bit of uh trying to separate something like let's say racial characteristics if we're talking about people all coming from the same place or the same root with uh something like culture for instance so if we're talking for uh, about for example the russian bolsheviks like trotsky who absolutely detested the traditional religious uh, people that he was from we're talking about a particular culture. Same thing we're talking about, like the woke people who are in uh, banking and in uh, various other industries in New York City. They grew up in a particular way around a particular culture. Same thing we're talking about people who are from uh, various black districts. Like, Sophia, you grew up in a very particular culture that had a particular way of uh, looking at life. So that, I think is something that should be talked about and should be expanded on because that is a situation where people do have a choice where you decide to go. Do you want to be a part of something that you grew up with, something that's being reinforced by the people you're around with, or do you choose a different path? I personally find, like, uh, Catherine, you would be an example of somebody who, even though you came from a media situation which is very much on the left... I, I mean, you could disagree with me here, but I'm, I, I think we're kind yeah, of simpatico. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was something in you that knew you can't live in this situation. You can't just ignore a lot of these things that are going on around you. You have to speak up. And that, I think, is something very brave and something very important for people to do. So, again, this is why I'm saying I'm not going to be fully on board with Lex Friedman's just focus on individuals, because individuals are also part of a culture, and culture is influence, and that is something that can be changed. But, Josh, what do you make, because you are also from the Hollywood side of the uh, street, what do you make of the current culture? Because you were talking about how a lot of the people that uh, people say are Jewish, that they are atheists, and I'd say that there are a lot of atheist Jews who nevertheless are incredibly kind-hearted and only want to help people and don't have this leftist bullshit going on. I would Like take Nina the, Paley. Like Nina Paley, exactly. So I would take I her, her. I, I love her too, I would take her out of that equation 100%. But what do you think it is with the particular people we're talking about in Hollywood, in the media, who do have very bad agendas? And where do, would you say that comes from? Well, I think Hollywood it attracts these types of people kind of like how Washington attracts, uh, attracts those, the same type of people. Um, Hollywood is predatory by nature. You, you're, you're, uh, your prey is a very desperate group of people who want to be in the limelight. So they'll do anything to be famous. And then once they're famous, they have regrets like maybe Gwyneth Paltrow and whatever she did with Harvey Weinstein uh, and all of that. So um, I think that the the it, like it, it, the same way it attracts those people who want to be famous it attracts those kind of sharks uh the of people you know that get into the industry itself become agents or studio heads or what have you so uh i don't think kanye is wrong in in pointing that out that those people are probably very predatory towards him i think there's probably a lot of stuff that we don't know about in the specifics of his deals 
or the things that have ha been happening in the back door uh, of of uh, his you know business dealings and all that. So, um, but it's just to me, it's interesting how he says some kind of, in my opinion, like benign you know statements, some stuff that like wouldn't even make it on the front page of the Daily Stormer, and uh, he says some things that uh, you know were were basically you know it was kind of a popular belief in the up until like 2008 or 2010 or whatever and the hammer comes down on him he loses all his 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 deals he uh loses his his banking with chase and it's uh it's it's obviously meant to send a message so you know it, it, i guess it just shows how powerful certain uh this certain group of people really are and like i i guarantee you someone like ari emmanuel is uh not like you the typical jew he he is one of those kind of like atheist jews i think that uh you know will cry anti-semitism when it when it ben can benefit him and when when it you know because right now we live in such a victimhood kind of culture where uh it gives you that kind of like power to be a victim but that's all it See, really Jeff, is think that um i don't know that what he said was so benign that it would have been so accepted in the past like and i and i also don't think that had he said it about any other category of people that i think it would have been especially in the current climate i think it would have gone over about the same mm. same way yeah like if he, if he said about black people for example that. if he said it about it black people yeah. It would be the same, I think. There would be would this be reaction. It might have even been worse, to be to be honest. I mean, I don't think the people who are going well, after I mean, him or attacking are are, are necessarily he, um, specifically Jewish or you know, it's anybody who is there gets upset and triggered by this kind of stuff. I mean, I I don't think any group of people should be off the table uh, of scrutiny. I think everyone should be able, we should be able to scrutinize any group of people for any different reason. Uh, there was also some nice stuff he said about Jews, which he was like, "I'm, I'm jealous that they." In a jealous way. Yeah, I'm jealous. Wait, wait, that but go, but going back to what I said before, though, when you're talking about group, why not be able to distinguish group as a culture versus group as a people who were genetically born a certain way? Because if he was just talking about a particular culture of people who, you know, uh, make all kinds not, of bad deals and things like that, that's one thing. He's not the most eloquent. That's the thing, though. In my opinion, he's like a wrecking ball like Trump. Like, he's not the most eloquent person. But I like we can kind of understand what he's really talking about. I don't think it's just a matter of eloquence, though, because because I think to specifically say group, because honestly, I've known a lot of agents because I also work in film. Um, I've known a lot of agents, managers, all those types of people. And I've known ones that are Jewish, not Jewish. Like you said, Josh, it attracts certain kinds of people. And whether they were Jewish or, or other backgrounds, they all share the same kinds of personality traits. And while some of them are awesome people, a lot of them are like tough, uh, will will negotiate a certain way that 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 is the type of person that it attracts. It's kind of the same thing with lawyers. I, I had a lawyer friend who, you know, seemed like the sweetest person in the universe. When I brought up something that had happened to me, it was like I shifted into a completely different person, like a psychopath. <laughs> like it's just what it is. And so he basically attributes 
because he happened to have a disproportionate number of interactions with people who happened to be Jewish, because a lot of them happened to be at the top of the game because of how it's just more, you know, there's just more Jewish people in that arena have sort of excelled at it. Um, but it doesn't mean that like a Jewish group of people is going to have more traits that are like mm. this. Because... By the way, I, I see Sophia <laughs> smile over here and I want to comment on what you may be thinking right now, which is when we're talking about the root of like, why is it that we have this disproportionate amount? Like I said before, chess is a great example. I know Elon Musk was kind of hating on chess recently with that reply to Gary Kasparov, but that is an example of a place where it doesn't really matter what connections you have connections don't matter there either you're good at it or you're not the reason why i'm saying this is i think that stuff is built up over time with one very key component i'm not saying this is like monolithic but it's something that i at least found in my life that as tradition goes jewish families stick together they really value being able to give as much time as possible to their kids to raise them in a certain way and this is something that i want to encourage for all communities and to feel like as you know there has been a really big problem within black communities with uh, fathers especially not being there in the family a lot of single mothers so i wish that we can kind of infuse that minding of the family into a lot of the black communities as well I mean, come on, Lev, that's, that's, if the government would just leave this, my group of people alone, it wouldn't be an issue, but you have them policing every, actually, I was smiling because, Welfare. number one, hold on, shout, well, yeah, that, well, shout out to Jugs in the chat, hit hey, me Jugs. up, and then somebody said, uh, we should just stop talking about Kanye, but this is a stream about Kanye. It is a stream about Kanye, exactly. <laughs> So unfortunately, but yeah, if if the government if, if if the government would get out of the black family structure and sort of like stop dictating how we should uh, uh, how we should congregate in general, it this problem would go away. But of course, if it didn't do it, then the government would have nothing to do. So this is kind of like one of I'm those with things. You, there. Which, you know, they they don't have. There's literally nothing else for them to do besides to get in the midst of my community and basically create trouble. And so I think that this whole, like, going back to this whole even stuff with Kanye, it's kind of like, how is he supposed to get out of a situation, you know, like, because I think that talking about this without talking about what it, his, his obvious goal is, would be kind of like to miss the point. Like, how else would somebody who is in this contract that they can't get out of deal with it? And it's similar to saying, how else do a group of people like black people in Chicago get out of having gunfights every five seconds if the FBI stop, won't stop dropping guns off on the corner. Like if they would stop dropping off the guns, there'd be no more gunfights. But they keep dropping no. off guns on the corner. Oh, yes, they do. Josh, that's that's well documented. Well documented. They drop guns I mean, off they, I don't on think the that's, corners. I don't they think do that's why. Too. I don't think that's why there's violence, though. I don't think that. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> not all violence. I'm just saying in general. If if that one piece was removed, meaning if Kanye West's contract was removed, would he have even had to go as far as what he did? No, he's done everything reasonable to get out of this contract. He took the people to court. He married the most famous person on the planet. He um, thinking that was going to help him. 
he um you know he he has uh literally done other super crazy stuff like this stuff with Taylor Swift that was forever ago. He's done all kinds of crazy stuff that have not gotten him out of his contract. Is so, his claim that he's he's done all of this just to get out of the Adidas? No, contract? but it's it's his it, not the Adidas contract. Oh, his yeah, music contract? contract. Yeah, his music contract. He posted his whole music contract every single page to Twitter. Um, like a year and a half ago, maybe, which is completely yeah. illegal. You not that should have been grounds for cancellation of the contract just because the whole thing was posted, and yet nothing happened. And so he did take his he. This was a court case that he took his record company to court to get out of his contract, and they have done it for other people, but they wouldn't let him out of his contract. So that is why he's. It's kind of like well. What does he have left to do? Because the only thing he seems to care about now is, you know, uh, his stuff with his, he, he let Kim go. He realized that wasn't doing him any good. She's who she is. So he let her go. He, he you know, put out a gospel album. That wasn't enough to get him his contract canceled. He, um, I don't know if I believe that all of that stuff, uh, he just did it. Like, I think some well, of that was probably to get out of the contract, like publishing the contract and maybe a few of the things, but I don't think you can run your whole life on. Just... Well, I did his chart. So I'm like a spiritual person. So I okay. did his chart and the angels that are over the degrees in his chart and his whole, one of his main things that's this, this, that his, his driving force based on the way that his chart is set up is that he has to be free. He is here to be like a Harriet Tubman. Like when he says the stuff, he literally means it. He, he's not like, you know, Puffing, he literally means he's here to free the slave. Like that's he really feels that. Now, is he right or is he wrong? That's up for debate. You know, all I'm saying is this is this is how he portrays himself, and it's what's in his chart mm -hmm. astrologically. Well, so, go ahead. Well, there were situations uh, in the past, like with Prince, like with Michael Jackson. There were a lot of complaints about the way that the contracts were formed. I'm going to say something kind of controversial, which is. Would not just Kanye, but any entertainer, black or white or Jewish, would any entertainer be able to get where they are without the necessary evil of having agents, managers, lawyers, and all that stuff? If Kanye didn't have any of those people that he loves complaining about, would he even be able to get to where he is right now? Who determines certain... Th I'll give you an example. Let's say the Yeezy sneakers. If somebody else, if Josh created the Yeezys and just presented them to somebody, they'd be like, what are these things? Why are they shaped so weirdly? Who'd want that? But well, if you have the right... Well, he sign that contract, right? I mean, he didn't have to. He did it because he felt that that was the only way he could do it at the time. Um, and that's why these artists get into these contracts. Now, are they sort of predatory over the top that may very well be the case uh, I mean I, I also like long time ago did have a very tiny taste of the music industry and just observing it more so and just seeing how many people do very quickly prey on young artists and all these people that approach you as soon as they learn you're like a singer or a musician and um, people do take advantage of, of people, especially when they're early on in their journey. But some of these people hit big, some of them don't. And 
I mean, I mean, could there be a different way of doing it, though? Because it seems like this is the necessary evil of this industry that the people who are going to put in a lot of time into promoting you, they're doesn't going mean to it's wanna, perfect. Yeah. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have an out. Like if his contract is that long, like is that long? Like I, I don't think it should be to that extent. Like there should be if they're putting all that work in. I, I still don't think that it should be based on that. Like love, like he should still be staying there because he they're providing him with something that he's happy with. Uh, but they should have some level of reward, like maybe a percentage of his income for a certain amount of time, uh, you know, so they're rewarded for the for believing in him early on. But he should be able to change, I think. So I think this is the this is this was kind of the point that he was making, because these the contracts don't have to be written the way that they are. But the people writing the contracts and the, OK, the people bringing him the contract the people writing the contract, the people funding the contract are what he called the Jews. So if, if you have the contract written, funded, uh, 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 explained to you by a particular group, um, you know, how do you get out of not having that perspective? I mean, I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but it's like, you, it, it would be different if it was a variety of people, you know, or it was diverse, you know. But why, why, why isn't it, though? That's, that's what I don't get, because there are examples, let's say, of Suge Knight, who, like I heard that the guy who made the cover art for some of the uh, Tupac albums, he was talking about how nice Suge Knight actually is and how he helps out the community. But Suge Knight also, uh, you know, he ran the guy over, you know, he did a lot of bad stuff. So, yeah, but I mean, it's... It, it, Again, this is why I'm saying you're talking about groups of people who he's he's talking about distinct groups of people. So, like I say, my theory is that there's groups of people who are running the scene, um, running things behind the scene who look like me. And there's groups of people behind the scenes or more so in front of the scenes who are running the system that don't look like me. And I think that his comment was incendiary enough to attack both groups. Because Kanye was signed to Jay-Z, who is a huge problem in this situation, who no one ever brings up. And Jay-Z is an insider. He's one of these people behind the scenes making deals. Exactly. Jay-Z is Jewish. He's a Jew. That's the J. That's the J in Jay-Z. I mean... Is he Jewish? He's a Hebrew, is it, you know. No, no it's no, because no. of the black Hebrew. So, so okay. So you're saying that he's looking at it through the lens of the whole black Hebrew thing. So yeah, there's the black Hebrews. You know, the the black Jews, the the the, the black Hebrews, and then there's the 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 Jews. And so that's why I'm saying what Kanye said was like a it's it's like a double edged sword. He wasn't just calling out the lawyers and the this and the that. He's calling out the people who who tell these lawyers what to do. And you know it. It's it's a, a belief of a, a group of us that, you know, there's people who and I know because I'm from a black area who had all black politicians. I know that there's a group of black people behind the scenes who tell everybody what to do. For example, I was just complaining about the government. The government in D.C. is basically run by black people. So I can't complain about people who don't look like me without complaining about the people who do. And it would be foolish for me to make the statements without saying, look, it's not just 
you know, uh, that's why I said everybody, it, it, it would be helpful if the whole thing could be up for discussion instead of people feeling like they're being attacked when, in fact, he's trying to, it's, all, it's like a double-edged thing. He's trying to expose the ones that you see that call themselves Jews and then expose the ones that you don't see that also consider themselves Jews. But here's the difference, I'd say. When it comes to the attacks that go on, let's say, in Brooklyn, it's become pretty common to hear about these uh, very orthodox Hasidic Jews being uh, knocked out by a gang of black teenagers. That's something that happens very often. I do not expect the same to happen from, let's say, Jews or uh, white people who would, like, gang up on black people in the hood and start attacking them. I have not seen examples of that occurring so when people say yeah. stuff like that, you would expect that not everybody's going to think about it in as nuanced of a way as you do. Most people who are hearing a lot of that stuff, I don't think it's going to help with the knocking out. And that's the big problem here. I think that's really, when it comes down to it, that's the problem that a lot of people who, when they talk about Kanye and anti-Semitism, I think that's in the back of their minds because they've seen it. And they, they've seen it happen pretty damn often. But I think it's some people who have seen I've never seen it. So, again, if you have somebody who doesn't live in a diverse community with a lot of Jews, maybe you live in a, you're white, you live in the, in the Midwest somewhere, you've never seen this type of thing either that you're discussing. I think being from New York, you, you know, being in New York, you see a lot of things that people – so there are groups of people who would hear this thing be like, what is the – exactly what is the problem? Then you have a – it, it becomes a, you know – uh, 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 basically like a Twitter problem. You know what I mean? Like, because if you weren't on, if I weren't on Twitter and I didn't know you, I would have no idea this was going on because I, I just wouldn't know. I've, I mean, I don't live in an all black area anymore, but there's not, uh, I'm in Florida. There's not like a lot of Jews where I am. So I didn't know this type of stuff was going on until I actually had the conversation with you. And you were saying, well, this is causing violence. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even know that. I hadn't even thought of that as a, as an option. So I think that being able to have the conversation without it, you know, resulting, like we are, without it resulting to emotional, you know, epithets, is helpful because there are people who are not from, you know, diverse areas who would never know this stuff was happening. I think that is a, a fantastic point because um, I think sometimes we don't consider, even for me, like, you know, sometimes I hear about things that go experiences that people have in the US and I have only really spent time in cities that are like New York or LA or you know I've been to Chicago and Hawaii you know like so very specific kinds of places and I haven't really spent a lot of time in in mid states or 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 particular kinds of areas and um and the experiences of people can be very limiting and very diff completely different. You know, your your universe can be so different. And and if I look at it through that lens, like it does give me a little bit more empathy or a different perspective or a different understanding of what's going on. Um, so I, I agree that that kind of conversation is important. And I, I've listened in, you know, after the, you know, I've, I, I have, I sometimes am ambivalent about, you know, how much we should pay attention to these things or like, uh, or to somebody like he or his, his kind of outbursts. And, um, <laughs> you know, because in, at some point I'm like, well, look, he has his issues, whatever, like maybe he should be just ignored, right? Like, you know, and just 
whatever, right? But then there's all these people who are chiming in, you know, and, and agreeing with him or, you know, or getting angry, but, but also I'm more concerned about the people who are, say, agreeing with him or asking questions. And some of these people, you know, are maybe just genuinely hateful. But some of these people, I think, are genuinely confused or have a different perspective because maybe their information or worldview is, is limited to what their experience is. Or, or it's coming from this, like, they don't know what they don't know. And um, so, so if he's having these questions, maybe other people are. And so in that way, sometimes I feel like, okay, no, maybe it is important to sort of engage and have these conversations and not automatically be like, well, you are a horrible person and I, you know, you are, you know, a racist, anti-Semite, Jew hater and immediately shut that down. Um, and I've listened in on some spaces where people would have these conversations. And sometimes it's like a little bit like can be a little bit triggering but i try not to let that get there for me um but it's it's hard to sometimes figure out okay what's the best way to deal it what's the healthiest way what's the way not to sort of justify any of this or or give it like air but at the same time be like understanding with people uh where they are well one you know thing what? that this, uh... oh, yes go for it no, I was just going to say this kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the Me Too movement in the beginning when it was really about children being raped. And then all of a sudden the feminist, the feminist uh, women in Hollywood were like, well, we we were exploited by Harvey Weinstein. But originally the movement and by a the lot way, of careful with the YouTube algorithm, just uh, careful with the what YouTube did I algorithm. Say? Well, the R word and, you know, that's... Did you I never, say the R word? Yes, you never know what this robot algorithm oh, is going to see, do. I didn't so. even know I The more I do these, the more I do these, the more paranoid I get about this stuff. Don't, don't okay, pay okay, it, okay. don't mind. <clears throat> I, I, sorry, sorry. Um, those women, <laughs> the actresses, they, they basically commandeered that whole movement and made it about themselves. Uh, and then everyone forgot about the children that were... Um, you know, being taken advantage of and all that. I never uh, heard about the children. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what it kind of began as. And then immediately just it was commandeered. But that's what this kind of reminds me of. Like, and Kanye did mention this, that uh, white, especially men, cannot say anything. They literally are the ones who don't have free speech or anything like that. And again, all these people are basically proving uh, a right and, and maybe, maybe the answer should have been just to ignore him and not prove him right at all by debanking him, uh, canceling literally every one of his businesses and, and attacking him in unison. The media, like in unison, the media all came down on him and they're saying he loves Hitler. A friend of a friend said he loves Hitler and that. Okay, well, like show us proof. I would rather see proof than hearsay. Uh, so it's almost like uh, the attention is now on. He's extremely anti-Semitic. He hates the Jews um, and and, you know, all of that, when in reality, same the media is going after white people day in, day out. Not only whites, but Christians and, and uh, all of that. So it, that's why it kind of reminds me of the uh, Me Too movement and the origins mm. of it. Well, if we uh, take a step back here and just take a look at what are the biggest complaints that more reactionary-minded people have about today's society? One of those would be a lack of 
let's say, a, a higher calling, a purpose that uh, people would have in life, where we're all seen as these atomized individuals. Another one would be economical problems. People would blame whatever machinations are being done in the world of finance uh, for the state that a lot of people are living in today, where things have gotten a lot more expensive, you know, bad things re with relationships. There's a lot of... Uh, crudeness going on in culture as well as far as what are certain things that are being promoted like recently there was this uh, i don't know if it was a disney or yeah disney pixar thing with this uh, you know very fat girl who was a ballerina and i haven't watched the whole thing but just from the uh, preview it seems again like this culture of wanting to promote people to be in a bad state people see that people immediately start pointing fingers to who they want to scapegoat but that does not change the fact that these things are there and the question is how do you address them are there particular things that must be changed for those things to go away and if so what are they or is it something that's beyond anybody's control at all so i don't know josh uh, what do you think of that then i would love to go to sophia and then Catherine. it, it, look, it, it looks like sophia wanted to say something oh, you okay say sophia, yeah i just i just wanted to um just make a point that Part of the thing about, because I, I was going to make a comment on what Josh said, part of the thing about learning to, like, when to pay attention to people and when to ignore people is a huge problem within our culture in general because I will give you guys an example that came to mind immediately when you said that. Jesse Smollett with the cat mm. and the boots and the everything. When he said that this thing happened to him in Chicago at 2 a.m. in the ice cold Dave Chappelle did a whole skit on it, and it's so completely good. true. You just was like, black folks was, you couldn't find a black folk that was not a normal one that was like, yeah, he's, this is terrible. We were like, mm -mm, no, that's one that yeah. you, mm -mm. <laughs> same thing with Bubba Wallace. He did the same exact thing, and black folks were, mm -mm, Wait, not who's that Bubba one Wallace? either. Who's Bubba Wallace? Who's Bubba Wallace? The NASCAR driver. Thing. Yeah, he did the, he said it was a noose in the The thing, noose. The, uh, yeah, it was just a pulley. Was, it was a garage pulley. Exactly. So there are lots of situations where if people had a little more discernment, they could look at a situation and say, like I did, like, OK, what is he talking about? Why is he even talking about this? Well, his wife is gone, his kids and his this and this. Well, what is it? What is it really going back to? Then you would look and see, oh, he has this court filing. He, he doesn't want them to. He's worried that they're going to. um you know, what does that put him in psychiatric hold or, or whatever crazy, you know, he's, he's, he's fearful for something. So when people are fearful for something, then, or like in the case of Jussie Smollett, they're trying to, he was also fearful. He was fearful of losing his job on that show. And so next thing you know, he's like, okay, I got to get this, get all these people together behind me so that I won't lose my spot on this show. It's the same kind of thing. And so when, when you realize that people are coming from a position of fear, then you can evaluate this is probably something we could just let blow over. But by everybody responding, like you said, and just canceling him or just no, – first of all, no one wants to debate. If you talk – now, I'm not a, a Hebrew Israelite specifically, but nobody wants to debate any Hebrew Israelite. Nobody wants to debate any person who comes from that perspective because there's – videos upon videos upon videos about where black americans were what we were doing all this stuff there's there's people talk about this all the time so instead of talking about the issue of you know the first issue he brought up of 
oh, blacks were the Jews, this and that. Nobody wants to talk about that. Throw that away. Let's just label him anti-Semitic for the other stuff that he said. So if, if the conversation would be had about that particular part, you know, with people who are competent to speak about it, which I wouldn't consider myself the most competent to speak about it because I'm more of a spiritual person than a that kind of research type person. But if they would talk with somebody who did know, then it would be a totally different situation. But they are trying very desperately to keep that particular thing that he was talking about under wraps so that people don't discuss it uh, at all. No one the, is the talking only, about it. The only thing I would add there is that like I said before, it's more about perception, where, like I told you, Sophia, when we talked, that uh, I never saw myself as being Jewish before I started doing these streams. Like, I knew that I was Jewish, but it wasn't really something that I was paying attention to. And all of a sudden, as soon as the stream started, I did not want to say, you know, that I'm not Jewish. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm Jewish, whatever. But that was something that people started grabbing onto. I'd say that is the history of a lot of Jewish people, where the unity, you could say, also comes from everybody always reminding them, you're Jewish, you're Jewish, you're Jewish. And that is something that... Uh, you know, exists. And because it exists, it's not the matter of Jewish people always wanting to think of themselves unless they're like religious as being Jewish. In fact, I would say that throughout European history, there was no group more than Jewish people who were assimilating so much that you wouldn't even know it today because back then, assimilation meant religion. When you converted to Christianity, unless it was Spain where they still kind of looked down on you, when you converted to Christianity, you're a Christian now. You're not Jewish anymore. So anything else, unless you do like a whole DNA test to find out where your ancestors may have been living uh, before that, you are now considered a Christian and you never would know otherwise if we're talking about the subsequent generations. So in that sense, there was a huge desire that a lot of Jewish people felt going back to like Asif Mandelstam, the uh, Russian poet and others like him that they did not want to just be, you know, reading the Torah and living in the Pale of Settlement. They wanted to go out and contribute to the arts and the culture and the architecture and all kinds of stuff within the specific nations that they were living in. And because of their so. mothers. It's because of their mothers. Heavy emphasis on success. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, My that's son's going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You know, that's, that's Judaism, by the way. That's, that's a, there's a heavy emphasis on success in Judaism. Well, doctor, lawyer, musician, too. I mean, we can't take uh, the musician aspect uh, out either, or chess player, like I was saying before, or, I mean, engineer, or any well, other job. There's a heavy emphasis on um, studying, like yeah. on, yes. on yeah. having a yeah. good mind. Um, and yeah. then it's, yeah, so, you know, it's kind but of it's a, that goes back... a lot of black communities, too. I mean, if you look at someone like Ben Carson, who's not my favorite yeah. one to look at, but, you know, he was <laughs> very, very poor, but it was still kind of like the same kind of like that particular cultural point. But I wanted to like say that because I have to go pick up the Ooh. kids. I don't want to um, uh, oh, have conversation, but I definitely uh, enjoyed being on with you guys. And Sa uh, Same here. Yeah, or uh, two on Jew conversations that would yes. be yes, <laughs> and I would and, and I would definitely, by the way, encourage there to be whether it's getting the government out of the way or whatever it takes to get uh, a lot of uh, black kids who are growing up to think about becoming the next Ben Carson, to uh, you know get to that uh, you know that's a great state to be in or whoever. Yeah. But but yeah. I think I think there's absolutely no reason, but you know because. 
it's just the government. It's 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 it. It really, unfortunately, the government has got to go. And until it does, we're going to have this whole uh, issue continue. So, but you guys have a great day. Have a great <laughs> Shalom, day, Sophia. Everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you so Shalom. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. All right, so we are going to move on to the uh, second part of the show here, and I really appreciate everybody being here. Don't forget, once again, to like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, click the bell. That really helps the uh, algorithm out. But uh, I want to get back to the question that I asked uh, originally, which was what exact things that people who are more of a reactionary nature, what exact things can we take from what they're talking about regarding finance, regarding the system, where it isn't just a matter of people making, you know, the best decisions they could possibly make that end up screwing some people over, but people point to there being some organized level of manipulation and screwing people over. What can we possibly glean from history, from what we know so far, whether that is or is not the case? Because if that is the case then there would be, let's say, certain certain things out there that people can, regardless of whether they're black, white, Jewish, whatever, that they can unite over changing in a more organized uh, fashion. So I know, Josh, you've been in this world a little bit more. I mean, you've talked to the great uh, uh, water filter merchant himself. So uh, curious well, what you think. I... Uh... I don't know. I mean, with regards to the entertainment industry, it, there, there needs, I think that, I mean, or even tech, I mean, look, I mean, meta, meta is falling rapidly. They're losing a ton of money in meta, uh, Facebook and all that. And, and I, I, I think that like the woke stuff is, is getting so extreme that, uh, it's already starting to become apparent that it's detrimental to the powers that be that have been pushing it. Like Netflix, for instance, kind of realized that quite recently, and uh, I, I think that they're starting to realize it's not a very good thing. Um, and I don't. Maybe the Kanye thing is is a blessing in disguise to call out the hypocrisy and maybe the uh, the the way that things work behind the scenes. Um, but I don't know. I just it's I like seeing that these 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 um, companies are getting a taste of their own medicine, uh, like the movie Bros failing. Uh, like immensely and, and Billy Eichner saying that if you voted for Trump or, or you're a conservative or whatever, you're not invited to see it. You're, you shouldn't mm. see it. Uh, Rose, and then, that's and uh, then, Kath, Catherine's favorite movie, right? That's why in, inside joke or you, you, you liked it. Or, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I've never seen the bros. I have no idea. The only thing I know about bros is that it was supposed to be like a bromance between two guys that end up being, no, 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 a, no. a romance, no? romance, romance, it's, it's, romance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like full on gay, you know, sex stuff. And it, and, and it, it was kind of made in, in the same way that like the 40 year old virgin was, but except it's gay, you know, like gross out humor and all of that, whatever it failed. It, it failed, and then after it failed, he blamed that not enough straight people went to go see it and support it. And it's like you told us not to. Also, we were never going to see it. Straight people um, didn't go see it either. So yeah, I mean, clearly. But <laughs> uh, I, I like I think that they they're kind of shooting themselves in their foot just by the stuff that they've been putting out. No one's interested in it. I don't think people are interested in in 
identity politics in general. You know, um, uh, streaming services can maybe lie about it because they don't put their numbers out. But like, if you put out a movie in in the theaters, the box office numbers are there every Monday, and you can't you can't fake those. Um, I think I, I was kind of joking the other day on my podcast. I I uh, the wrong you know, opinion. Yeah, on wrong opinion. I always have an intro and outro with um, different music and clips from movies and whatever. And I'm not really a fan of anime, but my wife, uh, who's half Japanese, she put on um, some anime movie, Spirited Away, for our son. And it was kind of too intense, but it is very pretty. Yeah, exactly. Spirited Away. Like, very, very, very pretty. Uh, no, no global homo there. Like, it's just pure art. Um, and and so I, I use that footage and then I was talking about that, how, um, you know, the stuff that that comes out of Japan, it's just like the the crap, the, the craftsmanship and the amount of attention to detail and the work that they're they're very obsessed. Like they more than anyone are obsessed with not only success, but like perfection, you know, they're the ultimate Jews, the Japanese. Uh, I think Kanye, the way he can solve all this. I'm part Japanese, just- so thank you. There you go. Konnichiwa. Yeah. I, uh, my, uh, I, Kanye, the way he can solve all of this is maybe by doing uh, business exclusively in mm. Japan with the Japanese. I think well, he, he is living there, isn't he? Like he went to Japan after his breakup with uh, Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Ah, well, okay. Then, you know, he knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think that they're probably pretty trustworthy people. You know, I think he can, he can be really successful there. And I think, um, I think Americans should also take note in um you know japanese culture and try to you know replicate it <laughs> hmm. well there is a uh, and i'm curious catherine what you think but there seems to be a balance that we're seeking between community and liberty or individuation so i like the uh, nietzschean idea of there being apollo and dionysus where Apollo is supposed to be the principle of individualizing yourself, while Dionysus is more of this like chaotic animal-like groupthink, that you know this uh, this thing that overtakes you when you're drunk, when you're around a lot of people. There's a certain energy which is very different than being very stoic on your own and uh, seeing yourself as being apart from everything else, as opposed to being a part of everything else. And both are right and both are wrong. Like, you have to balance out those two forces. Well, we have no choice but to have both because we're part of a community. But, but we're what, also Yeah. But when it gets to being too much in, the, uh, in either direction, like with Dionysian, for example, then there's going to be a lot of group things. So while I like Japanese culture, I also know that there is an aspect within it of uh, putting on a certain face for the people that you're around with which could be good on one side but on the other side if you look at world war ii and the uh military devotion they had to the emperor and it wasn't even like the emperor's thing like the emperor was just there to be the emperor so that kind of fanatical devotion ended up costing a lot of lives and that's a pretty big issue too like when you have that kind of culture where you're not allowed to question anything if you're lucky things are going to be nice and safe but then something gets flipped the other way and all of a sudden you're going to be doing a lot of horrible things just because everybody else is doing it. And that's, I think, an issue that we're experiencing here in the West as well. Yeah, I mean, I've I've obviously thought a lot about how we arrive at a place where people don't fall into sort of these mobs and, uh, you know, the, the whole cancel culture side of things. I mean, 
I don't think everything we have that happens to somebody uh, when they do something is is cancel culture per se. Because when I talk about cancel culture, I think it's it's when uh, it's sort of more when human when people don't deserve it you know when it's it's sort of this intolerance towards different viewpoints uh, or when people are just too quick to react and crush somebody or when there's a disproportionate reaction to what somebody says or does um because i i don't think like there should be zero effect from somebody's actions or words um but at the same time, you know, how do we get people to not react as, as kind of a, in a mob-like way or not to react in these like very rea- reactive emotional ways or triggered ways? And I think a lot of it has to come down to sort of um, critical thinking and, and better ways of conversing and having a bit more tolerance and having more of an understanding that somebody comes maybe from a different background, different point of view and not assuming the worst of your enemy and also not assuming the worst position of their argument and also trying to understand what their argument is in the, in the, in the, in the first place, because often um, you hear a very disingenuous um, rephrasing of what somebody believes. It's not, true at all um in very in many cases but how do you get there and you know i've been thinking about that a lot and and i think a lot of that is about uh, modeling better behaviors but how do you achieve that in a mass scale and i think that's really difficult so some of it is is about you know having these conversations like this or having it on podcasts and having it and um in, in different types of mediums um but also i think it has to come to schools you know i think it has to be part of the curriculum so that sort of a new generation uh, grows up and and has this modeled in front of them and i think there's a first for that because i was i was recently in um at a conference and ended up getting into this uh disagreement with someone who uh, was uh, had a very different position from my own and was kind of politically opposite to me and uh, it wasn't it meant it was meant to be a conversation, but somehow it became almost like a little chess game. Of was this work. in uh, Hungary? It was in Hungary. Yeah. What was and, that event that you were going to? Because Peter Bogosian was there. Was it like a uh, yeah, free speech type called, of? It was called Brain Bar, and it's like a conference about the future. And there was just very open kind of forum, and people mm-hmm. had like really like ultra different viewpoints. I mean, it was, some people were super woke, some people were super conservative. So it was just, it threw everyone together. Most people were European, but there were some Americans. And so it was really great in that, in that way. And so the person I was talking to was more, um, more on the very conservative side of things, but we had this disagreement and what happened just naturally, like all these people Uh, I just noticed like suddenly everyone's just kind of quiet around us and observing. And then afterwards, uh, some of the people observing were like, well, wow, that was so cool to observe and just see this like very civil conversation. And we even found some common ground. We, We actually found like a place where we could kind of settle and agree on. And, and, and the people 
just felt kind of inspired by it, just watching it. And I think we need more of that. And we need to show people that those kinds of conversations are, are possible. So even though me and the other person, we definitely disagreed with each other, but we both expressed our viewpoints. We both respected each other. Uh, we respected where we were coming from. And we did try to find common ground. But even if we didn't find one, that that's perfectly fine, too, because sometimes you will never hmm. you won't find one because our values are different. Right. Like a lot of times we disagree because our values are different. But uh, but Catherine, there is a thing, though, where he and you decided to go to this conference that yeah. already puts him in a way different category of people than most and this is, I think, the big problem here is that most people are very irrational. Even the ones who think they're rational are very irrational. I mean, this has been, uh, you know, studied time and time again about people. So when it comes to actually getting people mm -hmm. to think a different way, I wrote to you uh, recently about how spirituality is something that more of the humanist-oriented people don't really engage with. They see it as a relic of the past. But I know, Josh, like for you, I don't know whether you are religious or uh, spiritual, but this is a point that you were making a lot, how spirituality is something that people don't have today, and they suffer as a result of it. Or I think like spirituality, for instance, they transmute it into things like being a social justice warrior, or, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, whatever. Like, uh, what, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone pretty much just defaults to narcissism when they, you know, think that spirituality, religion, what have you, is a relic of the past. Uh, they become the center of it all. And then they, uh, because they're the center of it all, they have to, be, you know, put up the, the, the veneers of like, I am the savior. I'm a social justice warrior. I saw, I saw this girl, my wife showed me a screenshot she took of a, this girl she follows, like, uh, that, that works in, in the industry she was in and is pretty big. And she was like, if you're not out there fighting day in and day out, you know, for social justice and blah, blah, blah. Because if you're, if you feel like there's too much going on and you're inundated, then that's white, then you, you have all this white privilege. You're, you're privileged. <laughs> And you need to be fighting for these things day in and day out and blah, blah. Okay. So that's, that's your religion. And it's, it's, uh, the, it's like the live, laugh, love ver version of religion. It's like the target sign, you know, whatever target sign you find, you have a positive affirmation. Like that's what your religion became. And you are this soup, this, this like, uh, powerful per individual because you know you you hold these beliefs very near and dear to your heart that you figured out like this morning that that's what your that's your your beliefs you've ever ha have have had ever since this morning um whereas you know when you have these firm spiritual religious beliefs that were passed down to you from your parents who were passed down from their parents and instilled to you from a young age like that that uh you know, obviously it's harder and it takes more work and, and all of that. Uh, but it, it's, it's a little bit more real in the sense that it, there's like history behind it. And there's uh, people that came before you that thought very deeply about these things and wrote about these things, but like BLM is since 2015, you know, and, and people are very, um, massive followers of, of BLM and, you know, they don't care that they were duped. They don't care that the founders bought their homes in Beverly Hills or the Hollywood Hills or what have you. They don't care about that. They're going to stick around with BLM until, uh, you know, after the election, they probably won't. But 
Um, so I don't know with, with regards to myself, the older I've gotten, the more I've, I've, um, you know, revered religion, not only mine, but, you know, Christianity and, and, you know, others. Um, I think it's important. I think it keeps people a little bit more humbled and centered and we see the alternative. It's, you know, the TikTok generation, that's the real alternative, which, um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Like Catherine, do you agree? Do you think that people need a uh, religion? I actually don't, but um, I mean, I, they need something. But I, I, I understand that some people do. I've, I've, I've come to realize that because I, I, it surprised me to what extent some people do. But I, I personally don't feel like I do because I, I feel like I have a set of principles that I can have without the need for religion. But um, but do you know the inner workings of those principles? Because you could say that you have principles. But mm -hmm. maybe subconsciously, they also come from some kind of spiritual striving that you can't define. There's no way for yeah, me to it's know. Yeah, it's been but... suggested to me, but I think I can define them because I've thought about them a lot uh, as to where they come from. I can justify each and every one of them, I think, in their existence, or at least I should be able to, right? Um, I do think that um, in terms of, um, however, in terms of, thinking about as josh was talking i'm thinking about why people feel so attacked whenever you challenge these new kind of uh religious dogma if you if you might what you might call that right like the blm or anything like that i think because um because i'm thinking about you know when you go through like a deeply religious process right if you learn it in a in a kind of uh, systemic way, um, you do challenge a lot, right? You, you go back and forth and you, you analyze the text and, and um, you really should know it kind of inside out. But when you learn these new things, um, very often there's a very, they're very lacking in, in, in information. If you scratch the surface, um, you realize that they don't know the information. Like um, if you ask, you know, them to say, what is the origin of BLM or what, what, what is the, what are, what is the history of this? So what is the history of CRT? Very few people are actually going to be able to explain that and know the details. And mm -hmm. so instead of admitting that, because they've, this, they've sort of adapted that almost in a religious way, or this is their identity that's so tied in, they get defensive because they see it now as an attack on them because really they're, they don't have a grasp of it. Similar to religious people, though, in a certain way, I'm not disrespecting people who believe in a certain religion, mm -hmm. but when it comes to finding out the history of Christianity, Judaism, of looking at historical examples. Get, get of... upset if they don't know it, if they don't have that that deep of a understanding or that deep of a conviction. I think if you scratch it in a way where they don't have a full grasp, I think they get the same way. And I and I had that experience with um, with like because I did go to Jewish school for for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and uh, if you ask the wrong question, you could very much offend your rabbi, you know. And uh, but the ones that were more confident about it, you could ask any question, they wouldn't feel offended. What What was the question they hated? Oh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely challenged them on some of the abortion stuff. Um, uh, I, <laughs> 
Because there is room. I mean, the thing is that there are words in it, and these words are constantly getting massaged, and it's all up interpretation. I mean, there's whole text about how different people interpret them, right? So why can't I interpret it, right? What, what makes these mm. other people special? Well, there is something about Judaism which, even though you could say you have it in Christianity too and to a lesser extent in Islam, there is a tradition in Judaism of rabbis almost arguing with God where it's not this clear cut, I am going to bow my head and just blindly obey this entity, but there is like a relationship that goes on between a person and between God, that it's like a two-way street. I found that to be very fascinating, but it also leads me to believe that for a lot of religions today, unless people are just completely, you know, putting the... Uh, pillows in their ears and not wanting to consider alternatives i think a lot of people are just turned off from the idea of well why should this be the right religion why should this be the right thing while something that's a lot more guttural which is for example thinking of how guilty you are for your white oppression you know like that is something that almost makes you like jesus in a way when you think about it like i am gonna i am gonna perish for the sins of my people look how noble i am you know there's something about that that i think you power you yeah. can do something yeah exactly which but it doesn't i mean it never really made sense to me because like you really can't well because i don't hold people a responsible for for sins that they did not themselves commit so therefore i can't also reward them for something that they had you know they're not absolving anybody right so um, yeah, but... Oh, but this is, this is, this is egoism, I think, but when it comes to being able to understand what exactly this is, I mean, I know I say it a lot and people kind of roll their eyes, but just consider the fact that we are living in a three-dimensional reality and we're so used to it. And it's like, look at your hand. It's like 3D and like the room is in perspective. This is a very fascinating thing just to consider that we are living in a three-dimensional reality. I mean, Josh is like right next to a fucking island tropical paradise right now it's real this, this is, is real on. this is not green screen yes, it looks is, real yeah this is going on right now and we're just so used to it like josh i don't know i don't know if you're fully used to the environment that you're in right now but i'd imagine like the first several days that you were here you were like oh my god this is so cool this is so amazing but does it yeah. last or do you get used to it no you i mean you get used to it i mean look i grew up coming here uh but i've been living here for a year and uh my like the gym i go to uh, a mile that way uh the you you can look out the windows and it's facing a field w with like cows and stuff and it's massive green just greenery like this is the jungle basically and there's just cows in front and that's normal whereas you know before i moved here i was going to a gym in the concrete jungle in los angeles where you just look out and it just looks terrible like just really terrible but i mean this is normal I, I i guess we all take uh for granted the the environment we're in all the time um like kind of like how people in the united states young people uh think it's the most oppressive place in the world in the worst place and they're in the united states they've where never people traveled are, i guess yeah no and people are dying literally dying uh crossing the border illegally trying to get there and you have like these kids and living in suburban neighborhoods like fuck you mom uh, you know, and they have that attitude towards that, you know, their I really don't get it. I mean, I also, yeah, it's, it's, it's this lack of like real appreciation because I mean, I'm, I'm an immigrant. So, um, there's, 
no immigrant will ever say this. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it's, it just sounds like so, talk about privileged, you know, to say something like that. That sounds privileged to somebody who's an immigrant who like would have, you know, especially for my family, like the sacrifices they would have had to make, the, the challenges that, it, what it took to get here. And then to have somebody say, oh, this, this is the most oppressive place. This is horrible. And constantly criticizing these countries that have the most, you know, they're not perfect. They're, you know, of course, there's room, you know, you can criticize these places, you know, you want to improve them, of course. But to say these, the, the, the most racist places, the most, like, we yeah. came from. Well, everybody knows Canada is the most place. racist place in the universe, Catherine. What are yeah, you talking about? China. Mean, China right? is pretty racist. It's the most ridiculous, the most absurd thing. These people are so out of touch with reality. Like, they just don't. Yeah, but it, Don't grasp reality. They don't understand the world. It, <laughs> it also comes back down to what we were talking about in the beginning, which is the programming um, by Hollywood, mainly by Hollywood. And, and uh, I mean, it's. It's an interesting question because, you know, you, you, Catherine, you were saying how um, when Hollywood first started, it was definitely more Jewish than it is now, probably, you know, more. There's different kinds of people now running the show. And uh, I would wager that uh, when Hollywood was first starting and, you know, the golden era, uh, everything that was coming out was about American exceptionalism and how amazing America is and, um now everything's kind of um, the, the complete opposite. The complete opposite, and that's partially, I think, why uh, kids have no understanding of the country and the, the founding of it, and they have no reverence for it, or it's it's um, heroes of the past, uh, and also they're completely illiterate with regards to history. Like even some disney stuff like the i show I, we let our son watch uh the the stuff on disney plus that has a warning that it's racist you know like they have that 10 second <laughs> warning like uh that's the stuff we let him watch but like an example is is there was um one of those movies where it's like an anthology of different things and there was a story of johnny appleseed and and uh uh like paul bunyan or whatever and no one knows anything about any of these these legends anymore uh, and you can't talk about any of these things anymore. And, and like Lev, you were saying that that movie that's coming out, uh, the short from Disney, which is a, a, a fat little ballerina girl who's also a superhero. Uh, I mean, like literally even 15 years ago when Wally came out, that movie was predicting all of this and, and not in like a good way, not in like we want this to happen. It's like this is what the future could be. And they're making it that future. Like now they're, yeah. they're they they did a complete one eighty. Uh, the original the original Disney fat ballerina was a hippo, if you recall in Fantasia. There yes, was like a dancing, that was great. Yeah, she was dancing with a crocodile. Because she's really a cool. hippo, they're supposed to be fat, you know. Exactly. Humans aren't. But to the point that you were talking about with uh, Hollywood Entertainment, say what you will about Louis B. Mayer as far as you know the shenanigans he uh, you know did with the various women there this is theater this is this is the arts unfortunately in the ussr where there were plenty of russian people there were like russian uh, theater directors that were constantly doing stuff behind the scenes with the uh russian ladies there so when it comes to that stuff that's going to be in the theater and the arts for millennia that's just the unfortunate culture but 
what Louis B. Mayer did is that he emphasized family, friendly, you know, emphasizing all of these good qualities that he wanted to portray in films. Now, you could say, well, maybe it was because it was the environment of that time. But regardless, there wasn't any, you know, secret plotting there to, you know, make uh, for a... Uh, demoralized country there were things that did uh uplift people and unfortunately i think people are yeah. too egotistical today and want to show how sorry they are for western civilization well, so they're doing the opposite they're not secretly plotting i mean it's not a secret right um but i think i think when you look at because there's all these quota systems right and and what gets green lit and what gets kind of virtue signals but at the same time there is a market um, so there's a difference between like um, when the government, you know, in Canada, we have a, a funding agency and they will decide based on like, you know, you know, throwing in the right diversity quotas and things like that. And then nepotism in terms of like who knows whom, you know, so there's that. And, and um, so and that stuff can go on forever because there, it doesn't need to perform commercially uh, and be successful. But when when we're dealing with corporations, that's a bit different, right? So that that's why you have that phrase "go woke, go broke," and that's why like Bros or you know, was it Bros is the name of that movie? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't look appealing. And I'm actually somebody who like I'll watch I'll watch watch a gay romantic strand care. Uh, I watch one on Netflix with uh, Neil Patrick Harris. I mm. watch it to a whole TV series. Uh, you know? uh, what, what, what was that? Me. Remember <laughs> Back Mountain? Yeah, no, but it was like, whatever, it was a comedy, but a middle-aged guy, his, his husband or partner leaves him in the last second, they, I don't think they were married. So anyways, it was like, I thought it wasn't bad. It was like, I kind of enjoyed it. Whatever, I'll watch this stuff that's quote-unquote woke if it's any, any good, um, but it has to be good. It has to appeal to people. And, the, and at a certain point, these companies, they can't continue making crap and just having these quotas because people are just not going to watch it some people will still watch it but it can't be that terrible for that long so i think at a certain point it's going to have to balance itself out i like having diversity in terms of like um every kind of diversity right but it has to be not just like diversity of race or gender um even though those are interesting too because maybe you know, those are different stories that give me a sneak peek into somebody's life who I would otherwise not have that ability. Well, but it if, it be is, if it is a different story, I don't like the Mary suing. I don't like when people Mary Sue a character in that if they're a certain color of skin, they're going to have no. to be perfect because in a but way, even you're those like, people don't like it. Yeah. Because like, why not create a new story? Like, why, why do they need to like take some other character? Why can't they have their own? Um, that does nothing for that person's culture either, right? Like, why not create? Like, why not create a new superhero? Or you know, like. Well, yeah, I mean, they did that. You could say, well, Black Panther was in the new superhero, but even there, like uh, with uh, Wakanda. Wakanda is a fictional uh, city, a fictional mm -hmm. uh, country, I guess you could say. And uh, they do have certain aspects within that country of, you know, wanting there to be a strong border, not taking kindly to uh, yeah. migrants coming in. I know it's, it, yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting, but it is, still, it, it is still something that's, I don't know, I wish that uh, 
we can look at entertainment without having to look here through the lens of identity politics at the end of the day. But it feels like it's always going to be there. And there's always going to be complaints uh, from people to say, well, how come I'm not represented or how come they're not represented? But at a certain point, if it gets too much, people start being upset. People start thinking that I don't want to have things that are forced. I want it to be natural. But is there such a thing as natural? Like, or is, or are we in this ideological battle no matter what, where if one tradition doesn't win out, another one is going to win out, and it's just like a battle of all these traditions? And I think about all these stories that don't get told that it could have been amazing stories because they don't get greenlit or the person doesn't even bring it. Because I, I know that that happens because I've talked to enough people uh, who are fantastic writers or creators who just they self-censor or they just don't they don't bring it or they get projects killed because they don't have enough quote unquote diversity. So certain projects just get passed uh, and maybe the other projects that get made aren't terrible, but it still means that some projects get passed purely because they don't fit into the mold of what's like popular right now or they're, you know, being created by white men. But just because they're being created by a white men doesn't mean they're not stories worth telling maybe they're life-changing stories for someone right like um because and so it's quite sad to me of all these stories they're just not being told because it's no longer their time <laughs> but those people might have never had time those individuals haven't had their time you know maybe white men have had their time <laughs> those white men have not and so that's kind of sad to me and um i i, I think it should always be a story but there's things that you could look at to make it better, you know, uh, not have, you know, be more conscious that you're not putting the stereotypes in that we talked about in the first uh, part of this, of this uh, stream, you know, and, and also uh, with casting, I think uh, Hollywood had done a terrible job in terms of, I mean, I think some of these concerns that people talk about are very legitimate. Like, I think they weren't casting people, um, uh, it, like of different backgrounds very well they would give them like little bit roles or stereotypes mm -hmm. and you didn't see a lot of diversity with a lot of different ethnic groups and there's no reason not to do that and so i think being a little bit more blind in terms of casting and having frameworks that are just encourage blindness like they did that with music i don't know if you've you're aware of how they did it with like symphonies no um, okay so basically they they were trying to diversify it with say they had this theory that women were being discriminated against in symphonies so what they did is put a curtain so when they had auditions they did blind auditions and they even put carpeting so you wouldn't hear the clicking of the shoes and it did change the outcome right but you did it in sort of a in a way that wasn't you know pushing a, a specific demographic through just because uh, you know, just based on a quota, but you were just equalizing the opportunity, which is really what you want to do. So equalizing the opportunity mm. for people. Um, so finding ways to do that and fix the systems, because I do think the systems are broken to some extent. So how do you do it, but without like pushing quotas? Because I don't mm. think quotas are good for anyone. I could, I could see that. And last thing, I want to get to Josh on this as well, but last thing for me on this uh, part of the conversation 
is that there was a uh, there was a tweet I recall from this black gentleman who was talking about uh, something related to classical music, how he liked some classical piece, and I recall what. And then this white lady started to talk about something like he's betraying his race or like bullshit like that about you know like wanting to elevate you know like this white his patriarchal music, uh, and this black is like what what the hell are you talking about? Because one thing that I don't like is this idea that the various cultures that we have, that there is, that we can't say that's a certain type of art or a certain type of uh, music piece can be genuinely better. I mean, it depends on lo location, too. It depends on whether you're at a dance club or whatever. But still, there are certain things that are better than others as far as various kind of pieces of music that come out. And the idea that people have to be relegated to, well, this is your music and this is not your music. I think that that's dumb, you know? Yeah. I think uh, I think we might be overcomplicating some of this. I mean, I think um, in a perfect world, filmmakers can you know sh if, should be able to make whatever kind of movie they want with whoever they want. Like, and it's, that's basically it. If someone wants to make a movie, uh, an all-white cast or whatever, and you know for whatever reason, then you know okay, fine. And it's up to people if they want to see it or not. But. Um, Every everything is every, like people are just shoehorning in all kinds of people into like that movie, The Green Knight, which was very good, uh, like very well made. It was really confusing to me in the beginning. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, The Green Knight. Um, was that based well, like, on the uh, Chasser? I forget. I forgot. It's it's based on like some sort of like 14th century poem. Yeah, yeah, I can't that's probably Chaucer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know King Arthur and and all that and. The, the the boy that's uh playing king arthur's nephew or something in the movie is indian from india in real life and and I, i'm just watching this movie in the beginning i'm like how are they related who i'm like i'm more focused on that just because i was just very confused as to the relation of the characters so it kind of took me out of it for that first mm. half i'm just like wait what's going on how is he related to that guy and uh and you know maybe you shouldn't you know he's a good actor but maybe he shouldn't have been in that specific role you know but i guess that it was up to that filmmaker mm. so i wasn't up in arms about it oh, it's like filmmaker. a shakespearean like a shakespearean license like back during the globe theater days men used to play women's roles so when yeah. you're in that more of like this creative environment that's one thing but there are other things like there was this movie recently about this uh uh this african uh, kingdom with these uh, warrior women where they ended up, from right. what I read, making the a lot of fiction. It's, the whole thing was a lie. Yeah, yeah I mean, th th that whole movie and, and the way that they portrayed the French in that movie. I, I wanted to see it, uh, but it, it, it never came out here. And then by the time it did come out here, A, it wasn't relevant anymore to what, you know, because for my show, but also it was dubbed. So I wasn't going to sit down and watch this movie in Spanish. <laughs> but, um, the, the way that I've read that they portrayed the French and the way that the trailer clearly portrayed them is that they were evil and, you know, they, they were coming in and telling them what to do or whatever. But in reality, they were uh, the ones stopping the slave trade. Uh, the, the, these people were literally selling their own people into this into the slave trade. Um, so that whole movie is a complete lie. Uh, and and it, it's obviously because of the, the trend of... Um, 
the uh, basically what you were saying with what they do with women, the Mary Sue kind of thing. Like these people, there there's no flaws. Uh, the history is completely perfect, and um, the bad stuff we're gonna omit. But you know, because there's a greater agenda right now. And it sucks because there is a wealth of a lot of uh, great historical figures that you could take a look at. For example, I always bring up Alexander Pushkin. I mean, he was like one-eighth uh, black, but regardless, this is an example of somebody where, you know, like not even him, if one-eighth is not enough for some people, let's say his uh, great-grandfather, Hannibal, who was adopted by Peter the Great, brought into his uh, kingdom there and ended up rising through the ranks and becoming like a uh, very high-tier general and uh, intellectual, spoke several different languages in the uh, Russian court. And this is a guy, you know, who ancestral-wise came from some part in Africa, and uh, that could be an example where people look at, like a great man who ended up then over time uh, from him came uh, Pushkin, who was an even greater man as far as the contribution that he gave to Russian poetry. And I wish these could be figures that could be talked about as opposed to creating something out of thin air that didn't exist before, like in the example you said, or in the example of promoting what I think are not the greatest values. Like, I know people, obviously, you know, Bill Cosby did a lot of horrible things. But when he was speaking about certain cultures going on in the black community, like that's that should be spoken about more. And I don't I, like the yeah, yeah. I mentioned Bill Cosby the other day uh, because in the eighties, no one was like, "Oh, that's a black show." People were like, "Oh, mm. that's just a show that's like really yeah. popular. Everyone loved it." But no one said that's the black show. You know what I mean? It was massively popular. But now because sounds like segregation, was, huh? <laughs> Sounds so much like the language of segregation, right? The, the black yeah. show, right? Right. Well, but that's what people are pushing for now, you know? Yeah. And, well, and e even the name people of color. I hate you know, that. Like, it sounds like hate colored that. people, you know? It's, uh, I don't know, like all this, like I said before, my hope is that we can all look towards things that elevate us up regardless of where we're from and aim for that as opposed to saying well this is just their culture and this is our culture and whatever i had a, a conversation with this woman who then became very very scared of talking about any of this stuff but she's like upper crust manhattanite woman who you know belongs to clubs and things like that and she was also talking about how uh, when she goes to the uh, CVS nearby her uh, home in Manhattan, like she regularly sees, you know, like the uh, homeless people and the druggies, they go and they steal stuff and they get away with it and nobody does anything about it. But uh, she does notice that a lot of people who are her friends feel, well, we can't judge. It's their culture. That's the point I that we've that. gotten to. No, I, I hate like it, it. People have become so overly empathetic because they're scared to actually say what's on their mind. Like, that that um, the the father of a of a 18 year old boy who was killed by uh, a black kid, uh, literally the next day forgave him. Like, what do you? It didn't even go to court yet. Why are you publicly forgiving the person who just killed your son? You're that scared. Like, you're more scared of racism than the fact that being perceived a racist than the fact that your kid was just killed. I mean, may, or just keep your mouth shut. But why? Like, everyone's. So, a specific group of people right now are way too empathetic for absolutely no Oh no, they've shut him down. Oh. Josh, are you there? 
No, it's just bad uh, bad Wi-Fi there. So we're going to get Josh back. But we're going to be concluding this pretty soon. I want to get the final thoughts and the super chats as well. But uh, while Josh is recalibrating there or whatever's going on, Catherine, that, yeah. yeah, Catherine, let me know what you. Th- the R word. Yes, let me know what you thought of the uh, conversation. What did I think of the conversation? Yeah, Kanye uh, and all that. Let's put a uh, put a nice bow on it and uh, finish it off. Yeah, um, could you be any more specific with your question? No, no, uh, no, no I can't. You? Okay. Yes. On grounds and may incriminate you. Um, well, what did I think of the the conversation? It was it, it was a, a interesting. Oh my God! Now it's gone to two. Oh no! Don't no, worry I'm about it. Josh, come back! <laughs> oh, he's coming back. Is he? Coming no, back? no, that's just my gray yeah. square. Gosh so, darn it. Maybe I, I say controversial things like Gosh, gosh darn it, you should have said Josh darn it. That that's gosh should be what darn it. Josh darn it. Exactly. Oh, wait, I'm freezing. Listen, if you want Josh to be back over here, what you have to do is press the subscribe button right now. Press the like button. That's right. Sneed those super chats. Hit the bell. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys what to do. You guys know what to do. You got to help the show grow. And we do appreciate it. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the patronage. Oh, here we go. Josh is back. We are getting Josh back on. the. uh, It worked. That's right. All your likes. All your likes helped bring he Josh back to the dead. He's like God, but you know, instead of like ah. it's the modern world, it's the Neil Gaiman universe. And so instead of right. like um, prayers, I, the likes and subscribes and, and super There chat. we go. Yeah, that, that yes. helps it. No, the, the power went out for like a sec, literally one second. I'm like, ah. Hashtag uh, island life. Yeah, third um, world country. There we go. <laughs> So, how so, dare you that's so um i don't know i, don't I know, know what to wait do you know like, what the do you know what the origin of third world was it wasn't meant to imply like uh what what we think it is now third world meant to imply like this new wor- post-colonial world of these people who uh are going to show all these white devils what they're made of and there was this conference that was held where the chinese communist party was there as well and a lot of people from like africa and uh, the middle east and they were talking about you know how evil the west is and how wonderful they're going to be and they ended up being the most corrupt places of all time a lot of these uh, countries also like you know these areas like would love to become the united states you know they they uh the the you know the lifestyle and the consumerism and all like that you know just give it a few years we're all going to be united because you know what it's you know what gets the, the 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 most powerful weapon that that the united states and its ilk has is consumerism it's it's the chains because everything, everywhere I go. It's literal chains. Them, it's literal chains, it's Catherine. the chains now, but it's, it, the chains are the chains. Like all the stores you go, like if you give it a few years, you go to a place and you're like, oh, this is so nice. These little boutique shops and, and then globalization hits. Yep. And then, and then all you've got are like these big chains and everything just looks exactly the same. I hate and, that. Like, I, I agree. I hate that too. It's awful. Like, I hate I it. I hate, I, I, I like the unique uh culture that every place brings you know and uh, the united states used to the united states used to be like that main street the mom and pop pharmacies like every every store was owned by like a little family and all that and then the big box stores came 
and kind of destroyed it all. People don't appreciate it enough because like I remember being getting to, I think it was Italy. I got on the shuttle with some Americans and they're like, oh, I can't wait to get to a Starbucks. Like to a Starbucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. The place that has the best coffee. Unquestionably. Yeah. It's sad. It's, it's, it's sad. I think people need to kind of, you know, embrace and revere beauty again. Uh, And I I, I mean, like, it it goes back to even what we were saying with filmmaking. I mean, like everything, it, it, filmmaking and art, it it has become part of the globalized community. It's, they have to make things for China the same way that they have to make things for uh, Brazil or whatever. So then everything becomes very lame and boring. um, When in reality, uh, you know, America should be making American films. And then if other countries gravitate towards it and like it, then great. If not, then, you know, they have their films. And uh, but it's it's a different world. I mean, yeah, because they actually act- make films that work in, uh, uh, in the market. They don't like to make, for example, comedies, um, especially black comedies, which are, is my favorite genre. Um it's it's the because it's the it's one that studios really hate because they doesn't translate overseas so you see less of that yeah when you said when you said black comedies do you mean like like dark comedies yeah you you meant medea right like medea (laughs) not me you love that you love that or or like that also probably does not translate by the way medea is actually a uh, greek mythology character let me see if I can remember who exactly that. I don't know that if you're is. fucking with me right now. No, 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 no. <laughs> I like I, a very well-read guy. You got books. I got just the jungle. No, uh, here, no, no. Here, I will tell you who Medea is. Here we go. So Medea in Greek mythology is the daughter of King Attis of Colchis, a niece of Circe, and the granddaughter of the sun god Helios. And she's in the myth of Jason and the Argonauts appearing in Hesuit's Theogony around 700 BC. Uh, so she is the archetypical role of the helper maiden, aiding Jason in his search for the Golden Fleece by using her magic to save his life out right. of love. Right. I was going to say that. Yeah, so, of course. By the way, do you, do you know why she was used, I think? Because what's his name? The guy who directed the uh, Medea, Tyler, Perry. Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry went to theater school. So he read up, I, I think, on a lot of the Greek mythology. He was in the plays. So I could see how he would pick uh, that up. So there we go. A little, a little fun fact. Talk about people propagating racial stereotypes. <laughs> I think he was culturally appropriating something there, I think, right? With yeah. The- yeah. Well, the ancient yeah. Greeks were supposed to be the ones who have the dreads first, right? Like that was a uh, particular style. You could even see that in some of the Kuros statues, like the statues of the young men. But they, yeah. had, they had dreads. Eddie Murphy did a, a really, uh, he culturally appropriated Jews. He did Jew face. He did really, really good Jew face, uh, though. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, here's the and, thing. If you're going to do Jew face, yeah. if you do it really well, you can get away coming with it. America, Coming to America. Coming. Yeah. In the fir- the second good. one sucked. The second yeah. one sucked. But the first one, really good. He did a good job with that. He did uh, do a good he, job. You know, honestly, he probably understands the Jews a lot better than Kanye. Kanye should maybe talk to him about, about the, the Jews. <laughs> Yes. I think Eddie Murphy is someone who probably understands um, a lot about culture and race. <laughs> he strikes me based on some of the movies and his stand-up that um, he's someone who, who has a pretty clear understanding of, you know, and he's listening well, yeah, I mean, to a lot of that stuff. His, I mean, 
in the in the golden era of his his movies, I mean, they're all really really good. They would never be able to be made today. And mm. that was in a time literally no one cared about race. No, you know, nothing was off the table. I mean, even the N word, when people would say it back then, it was really no big deal. And then it became a big deal the, the last 15 years or so, 20 years or so. It became more and more a big deal. They gave that word back its power. They would say it in movies. It. Yeah. Huh? No, Nobody no, it was never it. a thing. And, and then we have people like Frank Hassel. I don't know, Josh, do you know Frank Hassel? I had him. I had him on my show like a year ago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's also he's like friends it. with uh, Sam Hyde. So the way that he plays around with that concept is that he saves that word like a uh, word of power in that uh, RPG game. Uh, what's called Elder Scroll Skyrim, where there's like certain magic spells you learn, and then when you say a certain spell, it like obliterates an enemy. But he only uses it on white women who he harasses in the park. So yeah. <laughs> it's, there's like a yeah, whole I, countdown and everything. There's like a button. It's like he charges his power level yeah. and was complete. Then he uh, like that's that's what we created now because of how forbidden it's become, which is why we get yeah. a lot of edgy boys on the Internet that play around with that. I think the yeah. greatest thing for race relations is when people are able to be in the same room and just be so free with each other that's, because yeah because yeah. that tension like when you feel like you're walking on eggshells that creates the distance right when you're able yeah. to be like and, and understand that that person means you no harm you don't mean that person harm and you can just talk freely that brings you together that causes understanding you can talk about difficult things you understand each other um, well, how cool! That's... How cool would it? Yeah, how cool would it would it have been if Ari Emanuel, rather than send out that memo to Hollywood, mm -hmm. like a memo to all of Hollywood, hey everyone, let's cancel Kanye West, let's cancel all the deals. Uh, how cool would it have been if he just set up like some sort of podcast between him and Kanye? That would have been the most amazing thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, like to tie it all back together, it it just yeah. you know to to put out a memo and then and then uh, kind of almost prove that conspiracy is correct i mean you know i don't know i yeah, i, I, I would have been i don't think the memo needed to happen i don't think um ari or anybody else owes uh kanye no one owes him anything no 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 no, no. like anyone but can cut cut can can cut ties uh, yeah yeah cut ties and stop business with anyone no one should be for obviously forced to do business but this notion of like hey hollywood Let's take a stand against this one man who said something. Uh, I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like, you're not making like, anyone like, look good. To be clear, I did go and I listened to what he said. I didn't. Some of the things he said are fine. Some of the things I think uh, I, 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 I did I was not okay with. I also, you know, as much as I don't want to blame his mental illness, I, I, I do think he's a little bit of a messed up guy. His brain's kind of weird. Um, maybe I shouldn't let him off on that, whatever. I do have some weird empathy for him, but I don't, I just don't like, I'd rather just like, either I engage with what he's saying and I say like, this is why I disagree with him or I just, okay. Well, it's, well, it's a very, it's a very old thing. Like it's got a beard this size because the kind of stuff that he says would have been said by like old lady somewhere in uh, either like the south or in ukraine or russia or wherever like this this has been as we all know like this is super common it's yeah, not something that's out of say this uh 
what when he said it or before tons of people have said it yes yeah but what i wish like nobody like ari doesn't have to do anything here but what i wish would happen a lot more when people start talking about you know like the usual things like weimar republic uh you know rothschild like all that stuff Mm -hmm. i wish some representative from somebody who at least is if knows something about finance to such an extent that they'd be able to talk about it, could come on Break the Rules or come on wherever, preferably Break the Rules, and talk about all this stuff in detail with anybody who says, well, I can, like, track down, like, all these dynasties and bloodline and yada, yada, yada. Okay, let's break it down. Let's figure out what is the problem, what is going on right now, and try and address this because unless you're coming here from a bad faith perspective of intentionally wanting to screw people over, screwing people over is in nobody's uh, wheelhouse. If we all just want people to have a good high trust society where we all get along, where we're not scared of each other, then let's talk about these problems you have. But I think that because there is like psychological trauma because of the obvious things that have occurred through history, it's very hard. It's very hard hard to because people get more like I, I just don't, for example, I don't get triggered in the way that people do. So it's easier for me to do it. Some people really do. And so it's much more emotional for them. Um, I think like, for example, something that gets repeated a lot. um, One of those tropes is like the banking thing, for example, right? That there's all these Jewish bankers and they control the banks. Well, if you look at the facts of something, right? Like, well, somebody did do the work and they kind of went, okay, these are, well, actually that's not true. And and you can look at the facts of it, and it's actually not true at all. And I think that works as a stronger way of um, rather than getting mad at someone, it is a more powerful tool to be able to present. Well, these are the facts. These are the these are the people who run these banks. None of them are Jewish. But it's still. And so, why would you present? So when the when the facts are not aligned with your views, why are you presenting them? I think that's a, yeah. Well, I would rather them present what exact (laughs) issues the banking financial situation is causing to you, to the people who are in your life, in your community, village, whatever. Let's present those issues. Let's bring them in the open. Let's invite Ari or whoever the hell we want in there and let's discuss and let's figure this out. What could be done here to, you know, not give somebody charity, not give somebody a free ride, but just look at the system and say, well, what is exactly wrong with the system? Can this be fixed? Or is it the kind of system where no matter what we do, these things are always going to keep occurring and it's beyond our control? I would love for that conversation to happen. Yeah. And the system is a problematic system, but people are choosing to scapegoat a specific category of people and a category of people that's actually a very small group of people. Um, so that's but but they don't stand up and talk about this stuff either, for the most part, except for us right here. You know, that's yeah. the big problem. And I understand, like I said before, why. I just really wish just for the sake of people understanding each other and for there to be less conflict, there would be more people who are as brave as you, Catherine, who would be able to come in and stand. Like if there was Catherine Brodsky, but in finance, then mm-hmm. that would be like the dream guest for uh, break the rules and like talk about and talk about the financial yeah i mean i don't know why people (laughs) wouldn't right because it's quite obvious that the systems are are 
are messed up like like there is problems within the system so why yeah but not just problems but more of the idea that there would be certain people who would figure out a way to manipulate the markets and end up making a lot of money from that and there's not really anything to do about uh, that because the politicians are completely is completely manipulated by by the people who have the right resources right um it's 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 completely that so um (laughs) i i learned that very quickly when i started investing you know um that's very that's very sad um yeah and that should be something that a lot of people and that should be something that a lot of people jewish and non-jewish alike should unite over and say like we recognize that there's problems going on in these particular uh, villages or whatever, that jobs are being lost, jobs are going overseas. This is not a partisan issue. This is something that affects so many people. Same thing with one's feeling of losing a community. That is also something that's very important. And a lot of the anti-Semitic people online think that the you know Jewish people who have all these nice families are just sitting back and laughing at you know like all these other families being destroyed. But it's a very sick and unfortunate mindset to be in because when you really think about it, who ends up suffering when families break apart? It's going to be yeah. the people that are going to be knocked in the back of their heads as they're walking down the street in Brooklyn because there was not enough of a family togetherness to make sure people don't go that violent route in the first place. So it's interesting to me that the people who get kind of scapegoated do tend, you know, often are, say, Jewish people, but the the problem that causes it doesn't really have that much to do with it. It, it has to do with actual real problems that are, uh, that we can have empathy towards and want to, you know, have that communal goal of wanting to change and, uh, and people might want to just be listened to. And maybe addressing that would um, change that, but it gets all tied in together. And often things do get ignored because it comes packaged together. And who wants to talk to someone who's like, you know, hating you, essentially. And you've seen, like I've talked to, or if you if you ever have a chance to talk to Daryl Davis, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Oh, I definitely am. I, I met Daryl. Uh, I would love to have him on. But who I am going to have on, who I actually, it's funny you mention it. Uh, so, Josh, do you remember the gentleman that you were speaking with, Angel Eduardo? That was the first BTR appearance that uh, you had. Yeah, I vaguely, vaguely remember him. Like, uh, is he like half black, half is, half Dominican, something like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. And he is part of FAIR, the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. Catherine, you know Angel very well, right? Yeah, Angel's wonderful. So Angel and Josh, they were on the same stream together talking about liberalism. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have him back talking about balancing liberalism and order. And this is first time announcement on Break the Rules. Are you guys ready for this? I'm going to have... Mencius Moldbug himself, Curtis Yarvin, on Break the Rules, November 8th, talking with Angel Eduardo. It's already set. It's already done. It's uh, we're, we're ready. We're going for it. So here we go. First you, you know, you're not going to you're not going to need to you're not going to need to say anything on that. You're just going to be there on the top left. Because Curtis, I've, I, I've met Curtis. He's a great guy and I've had him on my show. But like you could literally be like, so what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And then boom. <laughs> That's the podcast. Like after All that, right. that's just the show because he's gonna for two well, look, hours. As, lo- as long as Angel, as long as Angel gets equal airtime, then I'm cool with it. I don't need to say it won't. It won't be equal. Trust me, it won't. But it'll be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, guys, if you if you want to check that out and help support the show, we're bringing the big guns over here. So, 
like, share, subscribe, hit that bell. The bell is extremely important. And lastly, sneed those super chats. And speaking of sneeding those super chats, I'm going to go to the super chats right now. So here we go. Let's see. I am not seeing them yet. Let me go to the Streamlabs. Uh, okay, here we go, everybody. And also, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron today. You are going to get a lot they of... They banned me. Well, look, I'm going to go to Gumroad, too. Speaking yeah. of which, no, no, how no, do no. people... Stay, stay, there, stay there as long as they... Until they ban you. I, why not I, both? Honestly... Why, why not both? Gumroad and... Do yeah, both. I'm going to do both. And uh, by the way, what is your Gumroad address for the people who are listening? How do people... Oh, yeah. Please put that in the description. Rongop.gumroad.com. It's already in the description. No there need to worry go. about that. And uh, so support wrong opinion and support hey, breaking Kat, rules. What's your what's your uh, links that people should yeah. go to? You see, I'm oh. plug, we're plugging. We're plugging. Oh wow, nice, nice. I get, I get a plug. Okay. Um. Well, my Substack, which is Random Minds, M I N D S, dot Substack dot com. So I write random little essays on random topics. Like, uh, well, I don't know. You'll find out. Make it a surprise, and um, make it random. And then my Twitter is Mysterious Cat, like the handle that is on the screen. And that, that's go. about it. There you go. Excellent, excellent. All right, and here we have the super chats. Uh, JW with $5. That is actually JDJW, who was on the pro Pitbull side of the great Pitbull debate who that we had that? recently. Oh, you got to see to find out. I'm not going to say any more. <laughs> uh, and by the way, that was originally a Patreon-only stream, Patreon-exclusive, so the patrons who were there, they could actually participate in the discussion as well. That is another, by the way, perk of being a BTR patron. When I'm going to have Patreon-exclusive stuff, you are going to get, in a first-come, first-served matter, an opportunity to actually be there in the show with the guests, and then later on I put it out for the public to see. I kind of edit it out, uh, you know, just so you don't get the full package. But anyway, uh, you got to become a patron for that. Anyway, JW5 says, freedom of speech is the most important freedom we have. How do we move forward without open conversations? If that goes away, we are screwed. We are. <laughs> well, That's PayPal, the, yeah, the $2,500 uh, fine from PayPal, that is actually real. That came out today. Oh, yeah, boy. Which oh, well, I can't... it is real. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because originally they were like, "Oh no, that that we we put out something. It was not really finalized. It was an and accident. Yeah, it was an accident. It was an accident. Oopsie. And then it comes out. Yeah, today it's it's no, it's real. I think enough time passed where they were they were like, okay, now we can put it out. Um, but it's but I their numbers like have gotten gonna... lower, right? Like they suffered financially from that. Did they not? I hope so. I hope oh, so. No, but no. like that, that's the thing. I mean, you know. It's, 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 it's good that the, the watchdogs are, are paying attention to the, this sort of stuff um, and, and we're not really shutting up about it. Um, but I, I still kind of feel like maybe the tides will turn because, like, you know, again, that old saying, go woke, go broke. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, PayPal's not the government and it's a business and, I, and they need to start acting like it again. Well, you know what people say to me whenever I bring up, like, because I do tend to jump on anything that like violates this kind of stuff, and they say, "Well, what, what, what's your concern? Are you really gonna like say something that's going yes. to get you banned?" Or you know, because yes. 
Um, yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, I didn't used to think I would, but it doesn't really matter whether I will or not. It's a fundamental thing. And you have to protect it, not just for yourself, but really for anyone. I probably won't be on the target list for PayPal. Maybe, at this point, though, who knows, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't think I would be, but but now I'm not so sure. But um, but it doesn't matter if I am or not. You have to protect. It's a fundamental thing. And the idea that, like, a, such a major um, institution that we all rely yes there are other platforms but paypal is a very large one and a lot of people's businesses depend on it their their day-to-day -day interactions like that's a big thing and if all these different financial uh, platforms they pull the plug from under you and it's um it, it can leave a person incapable of doing business of 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 uh having any kind of financial transactions of operating in the world even if it's not the government doing this and we've also seen the government um, interfere at this point. We've seen the White House um, take a proactive role, especially when it comes to, say, um, disinformation uh, or what they called uh, disinformation on, say, YouTube. Uh, so uh, we definitely have freedom of speech under direct threat, not just from um, big tech, but also government at this point. Because when the government comes and says, well, this is what we advise you, that that's that's pretty much regulating free speech, in my opinion. Yeah, they're they're scaring people into submission, and it is working. I mean, it it goes back to that the crazy amount of uh, empathy that certain people and in in, in you know, I guess liberals in the United States have. It's just that they're scared into submission. They don't really want to say what's on their mind. Um, they're more afraid of repercussions from saying what's on their their mind than actual violence. You know, mm -hmm. um, so you know, hopefully we're experiencing a tipping point right now. Uh, I, I'm not too much of a, a big fan of Elon Musk or anything. I don't really trust him, but um, I definitely think that, you know, he's a better alternative than whoever was running Twitter. I don't even know who was running it. Uh, and the fact that he's it, it was that Indian girl who got really pissed off. If you look at that photo. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, you know, that reminded me of that reminded me of uh, Trump's first day at the white house. Uh, when all the staffers are like waiting outside, all of the Obama staffers were waiting outside and they were just miserable. Like they were, wow. some of them were crying. Uh, the, the Elon Musk thing is kind of similar to me, but, um, you know, the fact that he said he's going to, he's going to fire or maybe I guess perma ban 75% of the workforce in Twitter. Um, I think that, you know, even that is a very positive thing. You know, he, he understands a company, uh, cannot, cannot survive uh by having that amount of cancer within it like you you can't you can't yeah. provide a product to to people if the if you have a large segment of the people working or who are on payroll that their job is to prevent people from coming on that platform you know and i'm gonna say most people are not being um censored these days most people are self-censoring because yeah. they're afraid yeah. of yeah. either the repercussions are being censored, right? Like if you know that if you say certain things, you're either going to lose, uh, you know, your account or you're going to be banned or you're going to have some social repercussions or work repercussions, you're just not going to say those things. Mm. So people are not speaking openly. And if people are not speaking openly, they're not having authentic conversations. And people saying that, well, they're just not using their... The, 
you know, people just want to say racist things. And that is, that is such a disingenuous um, argument because most people are not just not saying racist things. They're just not saying what they're thinking. Well, and most people are not thinking racist things. Yeah, and most things that people deem racist aren't racist. Like, I say a lot of things that can be perceived as racist. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's pattern recognition. And I want, uh, for instance, I want Black Americans to uh, have more than 25 percent of their households with a father and, and and a mother you know like I, I i i want them to succeed i don't want um um gang violence and uh, you're, you're just you know any sort of violence like that i don't want that i want them to to contribute to culture like they used to like they, they created the rock and roll movement jazz all those things and like right now they it, basically hip-hop is 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 was funded and started by the CIA in the early 80s. Well, and um, there, it, uh, there is a value also to you saying something and, and being wrong. Because if you say something and you're wrong, or I say something and you're wrong, uh, and we are having a conversation about it, then you stand a chance or I stand a chance of being corrected and learning new information, or we can have that back and forth and we can grow from there. And if we're keeping our thoughts to ourselves or we're only sharing it with people we can trust that will reinforce our viewpoints, then that just festers, right? And so yep. there's never a chance. So actually what happens is, and this has been sort of studied as well, is that actually more extremist viewpoints um, on both on the left and the right, they sort of grow. And so more rad people get more radicalized instead of sort of becoming more moderate. Yeah. Did you hear that Patreon and Vimeo? I am a radical now. Yeah, because his freedom of speech has been uh, suppressed. That's yeah, I think yeah. the Gumroad may be uh, coming up for BTR too. Why not have uh, both? Oh, and one other thing I forgot to mention is that in this conversation of the uh, anti-Semitism and all that, the USSR ended up playing a really big role there because I know Josh, you mentioned the CIA. The CIA, the USSR, it brought regulars like, uh, for example, Angela Davis. She was a regular feature of Russian uh, Soviet life, believe it or not. She was invited constantly to go there for various events because they wanted to spread this uh, very leftist message and they knew that they were going to be able to divide people by spreading it and they ended up doing it. Today, they're doing it both for like left and the right. People think they're only doing it for the right. That's not true. They're doing it for the left as well. And, uh, you know, not that the CIA doesn't do some uh, bad stuff as well, but that part of it, I think, is never really discussed because uh, after, after um, from Stalin onwards, the USSR started to become very anti-Semitic, especially after Israel broke their agreement with them. But that's like a whole other, that's like a whole other story that uh, would take a lot of time to get into. But just so you know, that is a pretty big contributor to that mindset as well. The USSR put in a lot of money for that but anyway with that being said i want to thank him oh last super chats here so another one from um jw i think i may have read this one why is everything being segregated by race and religion now did i read that one was that uh no okay no. that's another one all right there we go i mean why we kind of touched on that too but yeah yeah yeah, it's the new. It's the new, it's the, the new. I tell you, racism is the new racism. It's like it's, it's baffling. Yeah. <laughs> and I would also put in uh, Russia and the USSR in there as well. And yes, I know some people are thinking, "Oh my God, cringe! Why is Love saying this?" I really want people to fight the urge 
to only react to seeing the anti-Russia stuff come from CNN and a lot of platforms they don't like. I really want you to fight the urge to just automatically react to that by, you know, adopting this, uh, well, Russia's not interfering or doing no wrong. And the whole Trump-Russia thing also had a lot to do with why people end up becoming kind of like a boy cries wolf type of, uh, you know, type of mindset when it comes to Russia. So don't discount how Russia also wants to divide the United States. I just wanted to say that as well. Anyway... Devin Selness, $2. I have values. Yeah, Judeo-Christian values. All I, right. think that was a, I think that was at me because I said I had values. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, and he thinks I mean, it comes from the Judeo-Christian. I mean, who, who knows? Like, I know that your position is that, and look, you have it way more together than many other people out there, but I'd say everybody may have a certain thing going on subconscious. I mean, this is something that I think Carl Jung was talking about. I think it was him that World War II and the carnage that uh, came from that, a lot of that he attributed to the collective unconscious of people who tried to suppress all of that beneath having this very nice, polite exterior, how it was still there. And you're not really going to be able to get rid of that. Like, that's always going to be a part of you. And if you understand that it's there then you can actually manage it. So I think comedy, speaking with each other, like the way that we were doing, in a way we are managing that Dionysian part of us instead of pretending that it doesn't exist. Oh, so, it definitely yeah. exists. I think I think um, it's the choice of what you do with it, right? I think at the end of the day, we, you know, sometimes certainly there's all these emotions right and and you want to be angry and you want to lose control and 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 and, and you want revenge and <laughs> all these things right and i the sort of the guiding principle and i've written about it on my substack um randomminds.substack.com so it's uh you know one of my sort of guiding principles is as i try to focus myself orient myself on like okay what's useful in every situation right what, what's the most useful thing I can do and um and that sort of orients me and that's a big value for me it's like okay what what's going to be the useful thing is it going to be to teach someone to get mad to do this to do revenge you know what what's the useful thing in this situation and um and that helps me sometimes like to get over my personal feelings or my, you know, that Dionysus is part of me. Um, so, you know, it's not like I always succeed. I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm, I'm very far from perfect, but, um, but it, but it's like that question kind of um, runs my life. I think that was the name of the post too. <laughs> and in a way, circling back to uh, Judaism before we go, I talked about this with Jason Reza Giorgiani, very fascinating episode, you guys should check it out, but I was talking with him about how I think that the entire process, because he considers, I mean, his theory about Yahweh, it's very different from a lot of other theories, he attributes Yahweh in not a imaginary sense, but in a historical, literalist sense, which does not mean Yahweh is the creator of the universe. What it means is that, and again, Catherine, this is going to be a little bit out there, just a fair warning, but it's the idea that humanity was seeded and run by who people consider to be, you know, back in the Sumerian days, this 
organization of uh, so-called gods. You know, these higher beings that were ruling over people. And the chief of those gods would have been named back then. That would be, uh, well, after Anu, that was Enlil. And Enlil, he attributes to being Zeus or Jupiter or, uh, I guess, the god of thunder, Thor. Where, according to him, this is the same dude. And again, don't think of like a man in the clouds with a beard and, you know, throwing a thunderbolt. Just think mm -hmm. of like a very advanced human being who has certain abilities that we don't. Uh, and that being ended up becoming LARPing, you could say, as Yahweh. LARPing as, instead of me being just like the chief of the gods, and like, it's like all of these gods. No, now I'm the big boss, I'm the big man, I created everything, and these aren't gods, these are angels. These are like my angels. And the idea was that that way he tricked humanity into adopting a much more subservient role. But the ironic thing that I pointed out to Giorgiani was that it was the Jewish people where, like I said in the beginning of this conversation, they started to question. They started to think about what exactly is their relationship with the creator. And I think that created a mindset that is the antithesis of subservience, which is why for all the people who are stuck, Jewish and non-Jewish alike, in the leftist mindset in the big cities, we have libs of TikTok, Jewish woman. I'd say there are many more brave Jewish women out there than there are, there are men personally, at least that's the pattern I'm seeing right now, but I am seeing this sense of not conforming, not taking as is whatever information you're given, and the idea of Jewish people being a light unto the world, I think that's what that light means. The light of knowledge, Prometheus, the bringer of the fire of the gods, in order to get people illuminated into actually what exactly we are, what we're doing here. So in a way, I see this as being a process of fighting against all of this pressure, all this authoritarianness. And uh, in a way, I think like we all have a role to play in this. So rant over. The stream is done. Uh, that was like school for me. I was learning. I was just sitting back and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. That's interesting. I have nothing to add. That was really interesting. <laughs> you love, love actually reads all these books behind him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Just yeah. for show. They're not one of those, uh, you know, uh, background uh, things. Yeah, not a green screen. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching. Once again, like, comment, subscribe, share this with all your loved ones. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week. We're going to have a stream about the uh, mind control grid, fascinating uh, subjects talking about kind of similar things we talked about here. And uh, I will announce the cast of that later in November 8th. Curtis Yarvin is coming with Angel Eduardo. It's sure to be a fun time for all. Then get 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 a fun time for all 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 then get